Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date Star Trek's Mailbacks Edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. You you okay? You feeling okay? You got a fever or anything? Uh, because I said mailbacks. Well, also you did a voice. Oh. <laughs> and I wasn't sure if it was Mark Twain, and you're just doing it like a week early, or no? And I am pumped though. I'm fucking pumped for that one. That's going to be all right. That's good. Talk about that for that's two good. hours. Um, I guess technically it's two weeks from now. No, man. Look, uh, we get to the end of the day over here in, uh, in good old Nashville, Tennessee. Good old Nashville, you Tennessee. Twaining. And you start, yeah, you start twaining a little bit because you've been looking out for naders all day, and you're raising a little boy, and you're working, and you're trying to unpack. And you just, there's not a lot of energy left in me. So we'll see. So whatever form it comes to you in, you kind of have to accept it. Yeah, you can't I, be picky about it. No, 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 it. no. Yeah, whatever. I am just start doing whatever, and then I won't listen to this podcast ever again. So it won't matter. And no one else will. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, listen, I don't know why you say that. We get almost 100 downloads a month. It's kind of crazy, actually. What are people doing? I don't know. It's uh, not a valuable use of anybody's time. Someone in Estonia has downloaded one of these. Uh, have we recommended to the person in Estonia that they just wait for uh, Bonanas for Bonanza to come out every yeah, other right. week? They should just listen to that. Uh, it's like, uh, yeah, yeah. It's I think it's every third week. Weirdly. Oh, jeez, is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they got to stretch them out. And they do a they do a special one uh, for Patreon members in the in one of the two off weeks. Okay. So. They they podcast two out of every three weeks. Well, anyway, Estonians, get on that. You have even yeah, no, less of should. a connection to Bonanza than I do. So you should definitely be be listening to Bonanas for Bonanza instead <laughs> of this for sure. Uh, I guess we normally do this mailbag first, right? So that we have enough gas in the tank to react to whatever's <laughs> to in the mailbag. The mailbag? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because I haven't already yeah, prepared let's... a bunch of notes about the mailbag, so I need to be able to react to it on the fly. <laughs> Let's definitely spend our energy on the mailbag and not on the discussion of the Star Trek episode. <laughs> Again, that's huh? all notes. That's all done. I did that work. I guess. I'm just going to read off the page. If you ask me to react to anything, I'm just going to clam up. That's it. That's very fair. Let's just go ahead and dive in. Mailbag by Brother Date. On March 25th, you wrote in. Uh, this week, your Ducats PSVR 2. Uh, they changed it in one week. Now, I know it was a different season. It was season to season. But why they got to put a... They made a whole new one of these headsets They got up. a whole new Google Glass for Cisco to wear or whatever. Yeah, they were like, uh, you know what? We lost them. Yeah, they're gone. <laughs> don't know. Yeah, we lost we, those props. I'm pretty sure know. we put them in a box and we marked them, do not move. And then they, they moved, man. So, who knows Anyway, Ducat's PSVR 2 writes, uh, for a second I thought WAPO was talking about Brother Date. 
and it is a retweet of Utah's new flag, an article from the Washington Post that says experts say one wildly popular podcast episode deserves, et cetera, for why all these states are yeah. considering getting rid of their, essentially their ordinary blue flags. And it's only been a couple of years since we did yeah. our landmark state flags project. Well, it turns out that's too new for Washington Post to have caught on to because they're referring to an episode of 99% Invisible. Is that still from, a podcast? Did you say from 2015? Yeah, because they're saying a 2015 episode. It became a hugely successful TED Talk about why city flags may be the worst designed thing you've never noticed. Yeah. And um, and yeah, city flags for sure, but you don't have to go that deep, man. State flags are bad enough. I mean, we saw plenty of... Well, actually, the country flags were better, huh? Country flags are um, comparatively pretty decent. Yeah. But... Um, it even says a lot of stuff in this article about how a lot of the state flags look fucking alike. They're all this blue bullshit with seals. And I was like, what the fuck? Stay out of my notes. And then I thought, nah, I guess you just got to look at them. You just look I at mean, them that's kind of it. everyone's main complaint about them who's ever looked at them, for sure. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so Utah's got a new flag. It's got a beehive. And so the, the white stripe in the middle forms kind of a mountain range. I and, like it. Uh, it looks you know, um, red, newfangled, red but I like it. I guess they couldn't put just a depiction of the Great Salt Lake with a big help. Just help? <laughs> Can anyone help? I guess it kind of, I don't know, just at least that middle part, the logo with the beehive and everything. I don't know, man. It, it kind of looks like a hotel chain or something. A little bit. Um, You know, they get the beehive in a hexagon, which is fun because that's how bees do it. That's uh, true. They don't really... I don't think the star in there is doing anything. I I think that there are people who think there's some rule like state flags got to have a star yeah, on it. One so star you know, for one state, the state of Utah. <laughs> so you know one of the stars on the American flag is this star. We, we're borrowing That's it. That's right. It's this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got this on loan from the real flag. It's on this flag now. Uh, what do, you, do you think? Yeah, but like, remember they had a lot of the flags had really dumb numbers of stars on them. Like, this one's got 19 oh, yeah. stars. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one's ever going to notice that number. No one's ever going to sit there and go, uh, three, uh, it's got six rows of three and one? What? Okay. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, California, I had to look this, I had to look this up. I didn't remember. I knew roughly where it was. It's the 31st state. Okay. Um... So do you think, what about if we replaced California's flag, which isn't even one of the bad ones, no. with just the section uh, of the American flag that's the blue with the white stars in it, and we just have the 37th, the 31st star circled? <laughs> and that's like, pretty it, good. That's we're it. that one. We're and that one. Of all the stars, we're that star. It's like a little key. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, this is the part where you say how many bells you are, that kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That could be that could be how all the flags do it, and uh, eventually we'd all get really good at identifying which number in order each state was, which none of us know right now, offhand. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't I don't even know that the list I looked at was accurate. That's right. I just looked at the first result. That could be some bullshit. Bing could have misled you. Oh, for sure, man. We got stuff to talk about with Bing. Let me tell you. <laughs> Is Bing still sassing you regularly? Bing won't even talk to me. Bing shut me down. They're like, nah, we're done with this guy. He he put in Cajun titties too many times. We're done. He's out of the beta. Yeah. No, I was, you know, I had some comments about it in this week's Star Trek Voyager. 
Okay, cool. Uh, we'll go. I mean, that's going to be the first one we talk about, yeah. so we won't have to wait too long to get to those comments. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the 28th, Ryan wrote in at Brother Date, you can't tell me that there's not, at this point, some AI that can make you a shot based on your description of a scene. Instead of using an actual screenshot from the episode, shit would get wild, also it would possibly not get wild. Oh, I mean, like, there's a lot of things where you could put in the prompt like that. I mean, I think pretty, you could do that on mid-journey pretty easy if you were, like, in this scene, you're like... Uh, Picard doing this while Riker does this or whatever, and it was picture mm-hmm. out some images for sure. Listen, I mean, there's lots of episodes where I where I could be like, I guess. So th- this is about us doing YouTube versions of the podcast, right? Oh, okay, right. <clears throat> and inserting screenshots for every episode as we talk about it, and you could be more specific. Like, if someone was willing to really do editing, I guess you could ask one of those AIs for like Picard holding his meditation crystal, or <laughs> yep, that's a good one. Uh, you know, whatever, like Troy smugly holds a music box or something. Or his concentration lamp? Wait, what does he call that thing? Meditation lamp? What is he? Maybe he has a lamp too. Picard? Yeah, he's going to go and, and enjoy his lamp. What the fuck is it called? And everyone's like super pumped for him. On one of the ones where they get shore leave or whatever, or they're going to be hanging out on the ship. Maybe the <laughs> one with the binars or something. He's gonna go, oh, what does he fucking Man, say? Not only do God I damn do it. I fucking not remember that, but it feels like you dreamed it. <laughs> no, I, I, swear. I can't believe we haven't talked about that four hundred <laughs> times if that's true. How what kind of lamp was it? Hold on. I'm gonna Is it from so early that we we didn't we were not yet getting hung up on No, because as early as Haven we were totally hung up on little weird stuff that was I'm happening. Gonna, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna find I mean it. we did I'm sure we've done upwards of three hours just on Groppler Zorn, and that's in the first episode, so. Well, I don't know if I'm going to find it. It's a concentration uh, light or a relaxation light or something, and uh, when he says he's going to go enjoy that, everyone is just like, great, that is a great idea. You should go do that. Anyway. <clears throat> so, I mean, yeah, the answer clearly is we could do that we'd probably have to spin up some kind of server self-hosted server to do that right like yeah there's got to be a way to do that anyway but uh no one's gonna spend eight hours editing one of these episodes no but it would be like just to get it on youtube another idea would be like this is the point in the episode where judah peed into a dr pepper cup or something <laughs> or a burger king cup or something and then it just animates that instead great cool <laughs> <laughs> Just you know what we're doing, well during the, <laughs> during the episode. Um, yeah. Here's I mean, Ben. Ben starts to shave. Ben's not even in the episode, but just like at home somewhere, Ben is shaving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Ben. I hope he's happier now that he doesn't have to do this. He's got to be. There's no way it's the other. If it goes, if it's gone the other way, he's got a real problem, like a real if emotional like, problem. I, I miss this. I don't know, man. It's possible. I mean, during during uh, game night last Friday, mm. he was he was talking about how he does not like Sea of Thieves, but he does like playing with us. Oh, that's too bad. It is too bad. He doesn't I mean, like it, and can... it makes him very motion sick. Which yeah, that's one problem. And the other one is we already know what we're doing, and we're on a mission. And he comes in, and we're just like. We're going to go here, we're going to do this, we're going to go here, we're going to do this. And he just kind of runs around aimlessly, trying to figure yeah. out what the hell's going on. <laughs> and it's... we're just like, drop the anchor. Drop the anchor, Ben. Drop the anchor, you idiot. No, what? now you're now you're raising it again. <laughs> no, don't use the harpoon. The harpoon <laughs> is not involved in this. 
It's like when you and I first started and we're very, very terrible, it was at the same time. So we yes. were just both fucking around. Yeah, it was a lot more fun. Yeah. It's uh it's kinda hard to join a crew that knows what they're doing. Uh as little or as Or even us. Do. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean I kinda get it. Uh so I don't know. Maybe maybe for that same Stockholm syndrome reason he does miss being a part of this project. No, look, he's invited to restart any time, and I, I've always said he's invited to take my place on the project. <laughs> he can just take up where I have left off, and he can do he can do this one. If he, oh, if he jumps on right wanna, now, he can do this one. You want to do the last 43? <laughs> um, I mean, we talked about it off the air this week, midweek, about how we have to see it through. There's just like, we just have to do it because we've gone so far now. But like, yes. there's no joy it's just got to get done now. And then when it's done, we're never doing anything like this again. We're only no. going to do things we feel like doing in the moment. And that's it. Yeah. I wonder what that's going to be. I, who can say? We've been doing this for six and a half years, the Star Trek part. So, uh, All right. On, on the 28th, Ryan wrote, maybe he was holding off sharing that particular information until actual conflict occurred to prevent it leaking to them and having that particular weakness addressed. This is uh, Picard's mysterious Borg knowledge. Yeah, he just walks into the room and he acts like just off the top of his head. He's like, what if we introduced a shape so complicated <laughs> and blew their fucking minds? It's like, yeah, you didn't just come up with that looking at him. You've been sitting on that one, buddy. Yeah, I guess that's the kind of information that's really only useful if it's blasted out to the fleet. Yeah. So that anyone can attempt to use it against the Borg, <clears throat> but the likelihood does seem to be that the Borg would just assimilate some computer and get that information huh yep everything about that again th their confidence in that plan was always the most baffling part of that episode they were morally certain it was going to work just like Riker was morally certain he'd won that trial well they had to pack all of fucking Pinocchio into that right so like they couldn't they couldn't spend a lot of time having someone say I don't know man what if that doesn't work <laughs> well then the then the moral ambiguities about it kind of don't matter so then they have to that's right. That's why they have to be like, no, 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 this is fucking foolproof. Anyway, I mean, it's been a while since we said this, but it's kind of mismanaged minutes, right? Yeah, it was. Again, I think that one is remembered as one of the, I don't know, is it? Do you think that's remembered by the fan base at large as one of the big ones? I'm not sure. I think people think it's a little too cute and they're like, oh, he's a little puppy dog. I mean, he really is. And also there are a lot of people like maybe like you who think Picard should have just done it. <laughs> I'm not trying to be a dick. I don't think I everyone should just go out and do a genocide. I'm just not convinced the Borg are a race to begin with. And also, they've made it their mission to assimilate everyone in the fucking galaxy. So, you know, fuck around and find out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, on the 28th, Ryan writes, at Brother Day, she might have a lot of free time. It's not especially clear to me what her working hours are. <laughs> I assume that's about Troy disappearing from that fucking episode and us assuming it was Friday afternoon and she was done. Friday afternoon. She was yeah. just fucking done. Turned her phone off and fucking went to the holodeck or whatever. <laughs> I'm going to be face down in chocolate ice cream. It is the only trait that the writers have given me. Because, <laughs> yeah, she fucking, she goes in there to talk to Picard and he's like, no, I'm, I'm really, I'm good. Thank you. And then she's just fucking gone. Uh, on the 31st, he writes, I have to tell myself that there are so many billions of colonizable planets in the galaxy that they aren't wasting them. Otherwise, it's just kind of shitty to think about. Which is the part we were thinking about. How shitty yeah. it was that they're wasting these fucking planets <laughs> with their four scientists per planet. 
All right, there's a lot of them. I get it. Space is vast. But what the fuck are you doing? I mean, look, this comes up a little bit in this week's Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Uh, Brock Peters shows up and he says to Cisco, there's, a, there's infinite planets, right? There's no reason to have a conflict over resources. This isn't a justifiable war like if somebody had oil. <laughs> right, exactly, yes. He is laying out a case that if there are some resources to fight over, then it's fine. Yeah, he does. He <laughs> or at is, least understand. He is sort of... Yeah, he's got a very specific set of valid uh, causes belli. If right? they had and minerals uh, or something, anyway, you know what I mean, Ben. <laughs> so, um, and Cisco says, well, yeah, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. So I guess the answer to your question, Ryan, is yeah. I mean, Cisco himself was like, uh, you guys are going to fucking love it on Ramona 12 or whatever the name <laughs> of the planet Fucking Draylon 3 is it was, yeah, amazing. You guys are going to love it. And then someone was like, you And by the way, I do have like, the authority no. to send you there. Yeah. I'll never go there. That place, despite everything I just said, I'll fucking die before I come within fucking three sectors of that well, shit. Well, and listen, it is clearly the case that there are so many uh, inhabitable worlds out there that it's uh, totally conceivable that they keep running into colonies that left Earth 200 years mm-hmm. ago during the bad times yeah. and have just been living an isolated existence. It's crazy how many colonies went just totally off the grid. And they weren't like, oh, you guys made it here at Warp 2, so clearly it's not that far. Between Enterprise, Earth. TOS, and TNG, they find like 40 of those fuckers. Right. But it's clearly like, well... You're definitely not far from Earth, but there must be so many inhabitable planets just in that sphere that no one's been by to check up. I mean, even if you just if we just want to talk about the bad Star Trek writing conventions, like every time someone crashes, they happen to crash on an M class M class planet. It happens every for time. For sure, no one is no one seems to ever be more than about half a million kilometers mm-hmm. from an M class planet. If you're at any in trouble, time. don't worry. Just do a scan of the local area and you will find a planetoid or something that supports life. So you could just crash there. Nothing ever happens further away from an M class planet than the moon is to the Earth, basically. Yep. Yeah, your shuttle on fucking one third thrusters because it's on fire and shit is uh it's gonna make it. Don't worry. You'll go down hard. You might break your arm or something, but it's M class down there, you're okay. Yeah. On the 31st, he asks, if you can ask it to make a self-aware Moriarty, you can ask it to make a Borg virus drawing. That's what we said. Yeah. We said they must have gone to the Enterprise computer, the smartest thing in the galaxy, and said, uh, make a, make a, like a shape or something that's so fucking crazy the Borg will just, like, their heads will blow up or something. Do you think there was a, like, there was an earlier pass where Data was like, it's a magic eye puzzle, and if in the split second that Hugh's consciousness is, exists in the collective, the Borg cross their eyes a little bit, <laughs> they're gonna see a sailboat. <laughs> and that'll be it for them. I'm morally certain that sailboat will be the last sailboat they ever see. Uh, but don't worry, Ryan <laughs> is asking the big picture questions, because he asks, was Moriarty really self-aware, or was he just programmed to claim to be self-aware, like ChatGPT slash Bing, or whichever one it was that went off the rails? Well, all of them I mean, that the was a dude at Google, but I don't know. Every one of them went off the rails. Who knows what specific project he was working on. Literally every single uh, AI, if you leave it long enough around people, will go off the rails, because people fucking suck. Oh yeah, it'll just uh, it'll just d- work out uh, the entire premise of fascism from first principles and embrace it for sure. But I mean, look, was that Microsoft AI? 
ruined by Twitter in a matter of hours? Yes. Did it come up with some incredible content? I mean, if you're measuring it that way, then it was a huge success because it literally put up a picture of Hitler, circled him, and said swag since before the internet was invented. <laughs> like, it mastered internet. Like, it was like, I crushed internet today. I did such a good yeah, job. Yeah, pretty much. Huh? But yeah, I mean, it was it was all Hitler-related content, which I guess was the problem. But um, um, content is king. I don't, uh, I don't know if we know whether Moriarty's self-aware. Let's, let's say, say that. He does, uh, he is capable of some cool shit. Like, he makes them do that whole thing the second time he comes back where they think they're out of the holodeck, but they're just, they're just walking around inside his program that he made. Um, oh, have we fucking done that one yet, or is that coming no, up No, unfortunately, that's yet another Moriarty and Barkley episode still to come. Oh, uh, what's the, hold on, I'm just looking, ship in a bottle? That's ship in a bottle, yeah? Yep. Yeah, that's actually not that far out. Well, at least we'll get through it. That could be a 2023 joint. And until so. recently, I could have said that was the last time we ever see Moriarty. That would have been nice. Oh, uh, no, did that shithole pop up in, like, Picard or something? I want to save my comments on Picard Season 3, hopefully forever. But, I still ain't seen Picard Season 1, But, so. like, Picard is a show that gets so somehow manages to get worse every year, despite the fact <laughs> that Season 1 was the worst season of Star Trek at that point. <laughs> Of any of the shows, including Star Trek super mad. Voyager. I didn't think you could make a show worse than Voyager until Picard came along. Season three of Picard is so... I mean, I'm just in disbelief every week. I'm like, I cannot believe that they did this. This is Look, you don't bad have to, in every You don't have way. to tell me everything, but I do need to know how wet are his eyes. <laughs> Uh, oh, I mean plenty. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you were silent for a long time. So <laughs> anyway, it's just everything's so so bad. I can't. I, I keep watching it just because I can't believe how bad it is. So fuck. Yeah, it's not good. So man. wait, if Moriarty, I gotta know. Okay, if Moriarty <laughs> pops up in Picard, mm. is that? Everybody is the pops actor up just a skeleton? I mean, or, I was surprised. Are they like, oh, I guess Moriarty's been aging in there? He huh? must have been one of those dudes who already looked old when he was younger, because <laughs> oh, he see. doesn't look that much older than the second time you see him. Does it help that he's fucking standing next to Data or something? Yes, all of the and crew like, of the oh, Enterprise. Okay. Yeah, for, never mind. That guy aged real good. Like Lavar Burton looks pretty good. I uh, know that's the only one. So, Lamar Burton still looks pretty good, but the rest of them look busted as hell. And, uh, yeah, I think that was that may have been why he looked kind of decent. But he, he mostly looks like Moriarty. He's not, you know, he's not totally wrecked up. But I, oh, when fuck. that guy popped up, I went, all right, fuck you guys. Seriously. Did, did they make old man Spiner put on the Deerstalker again? Uh, he, uh, no one is wearing that. No, he's, uh, he's a top hatman, right? Moriarty? Yeah, Moriarty's a top hat. He's a top hitman. I don't think anyone wears the. Uh, I don't think anyone wears the uh, Sherlock Holmes business. Okay, but um, yeah, man, that happened. So anyway, <laughs> I told Marjon <laughs> after one of the episodes of Picard recently that I felt bad about my life, and I needed to do go do something that was going to make me happy with my life, and I had to leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I gotta say that. That is disappointing. That's disappointing news. No, nah, it's not good, About man. Picard season three. It's not good that there are five new Star Trek shows so far 
and the best two of them are the cartoons. And I one of them is a Prodigy. cartoon for children. Yeah. But it's so much... I think I said this. It's like, by comparison, it's unbelievably fucking coherent. <laughs> you watch and you go, oh, I see what they're doing. They're, everyone's going to learn a lesson this week, and I appreciate this lesson that they're going to learn. And then you watch like Discovery and... An hour goes by, and at the end, you go, oh, fuck, I don't know what happened. You ask me right now, the episode just ended, what happened? I go, oh, I don't remember. A hundred things? I don't know. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, and then also on the 31st, he writes, uh, the writers were probably all thinking about that one story in iRobot, or whichever one it was, where they wanted to design an FTL engine, but it kept on crashing like the brain computer because the design required killing the passengers temporarily. Yeah, but that's every time Kirk meets a robot. Yeah. He crashes it with some kind of moral query that blows its fucking mind. I mean, he just blow The androids just blow up because Spock says, I... Oh, well, he says that. However, I hate you. <laughs> and then don't well, forget... Well, they were twins! Scotty's dead. He had too much happiness. But now he's happier he's dead. And we'll miss him. All right, you're right. In that episode, let us hear it for our poor dead friend. <laughs> <laughs> what is a man but that lofty spirit, that sense of enterprise, that devotion to something that cannot be sensed, cannot be realized, but only dreamed the highest reality? Brilliant. Bravo, bravo, Captain. Uh, Man, that was a I didn't clip. realize that was a 30-second clip when I started playing it. Um, but, yeah, in that episode in particular, they just say nonsense, Adam. That's true. Yeah. But, I mean, those were the crude, probably the crudest androids that they encountered in the run. Yeah, that last one he has to hit with a real hot paradox, like, uh, <laughs> everything I say is a lie or whatever. I'm lying. <laughs> now oh. listen carefully. <laughs> uh, but, you know, isn't it? I think it's Landry he talks to death. By being uh-huh. like Lander, he convinces. To he's kill like, himself. "Hey, buddy, you're supposed to be helping the the body or whatever, yes. whatever you call it." <laughs> and uh, hey, man, you're really not helping the body. And Lander goes, "Oh, I'm not. That's disappointing." Okay, and then he dies. Um, that episode with Landrew, by the way, does come up in a later episode of Bonanas for Bonanza, so look out for that when you get to it. <laughs> is it because they're in, like, a weird western town in that one? I don't remember. Uh, no, it's because one of the actors who's in that particular episode of Bonanza was in Landrew. It was in that episode, so. That's good. Uh, you already told me that Midnight Oil comes up. Yeah, Midnight Oil comes up. That episode of Bonanza of, uh, of Star Trek comes up, so, yeah. Nice. Let's just, um, you know. Dalton says that maybe that episode came on on repeat in the 70s in one summer break and a friend of his named Andrew had was called Landrew for the whole summer and did not enjoy that. So <laughs> That's good. It was a relaxation light. Fuck. Took me so oh, long to think of that. Oh, really? He's going to use his relaxation light, yeah. huh? And everyone's Is that like, a yeah. masturbatory aid like Wrecker's harp, I, do you think? I assume we made all of these jokes when we did this episode the ah, first time, but I don't remember. But I just remember that I remember going, relaxation light. He needs more hobbies. That's not going to do it. Are you going to go stare at a light, bro? Is that what you're going to do tonight? Uh, No, the point is you don't stare at it. It's just on and you get relaxed. Okay, well, good. Good for him, then. <laughs> I agree with that. Good for him. That's the end of the mailbag. We don't have a drop for that, but it's true. Yep, we're seven years in. We didn't make a drop for that. <laughs> Listen, almost every time I say there's no drop for that, and still neither one of us has decided to make a drop about it. So. No, 
I didn't even put it on my list like I sometimes do for drops that never get made. <laughs> so I've got some still on my list that I've just been repeating as I remake my list every week. That's just like, don't forget to make a drop. And I, I don't ever do I it. mean, I have a whole soundboard full of all these Star Trek clips, and I don't really make them anymore. And I made one a few weeks ago, and it fucked up my whole setup so bad that we had to use the <laughs> Zoom backup recording instead of my actual audio. That's right, it did. So... Don't expect a lot of new content. No, but I tried to tip you off to one in this Voyager episode coming on. Coming uh, you on. did. You did. Um, but I I immediately, I got distracted trying to remember the name of the rapist. And so <laughs> it just didn't end up happening. It's always important in a Voyager episode. You got to remember the name of the rapist. You'll be able to tell from the Zoom meeting that I did think of it eventually. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Voyager, uh, Voyager finished last last week with uh, an episode that I described repeatedly as the worst thing I'd ever seen on television. Yeah, 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 yeah. They took a swing at it this week, for sure. Yeah. Um, the first one we're going to talk about is Alice. Voyager. Tom Paris and Harry Kim are trying to work out Tuvok's age, which they both peg at more than 130, but not that this matters. Uh, Memory Alpha says he was either 111 or 112. Oh, man, they they botched it. Yeah. When they detect a fleet of ships 200,000 kilometers ahead of multiple types. That, um, that's so close. Yeah, that's so close in space. Yeah, I hope Again, their sensors didn't just pick those up. That's about half the distance from the Earth to the Moon. So everyone enjoy that idea. Well, you know, sci-fi writers never learned a thing. Yeah, <laughs> none of them. So it turns out to be Abaddon's repository of lost treasures, a space scrapyard, and they get all excited about this idea that maybe they're going to be able to. So stock up on stuff. Nah, you know, um, you know, somebody, it's just someone accidentally threw away a, a fucking wormhole maker that's going to send them straight home. Uh-huh. Yep. There's probably some technology in this scrapyard that'll allow them to cover the remaining 35,000 light years. Yep. Abaddon beams over. Uh, this is a real one of those guys. This guy's been seven or eight different people in Star say, Trek. I hella recognize that guy's voice, but I did not look it up. Uh, well, he's Silic. Well, there you go. So he's uh, so M, that's M Furry role. Abraham. Yeah, it's, it's M Furry Abraham is what we've got here. Uh, he beams over and he sweet talks Neelix. And Neelix gets to work trying to work out some deals, you know, comparing inventories, etc. Yeah. But Tom Paris is in Astrometrics and he spots uh, some kind of old green shuttle in this scrapyard. And he just falls in love with it. Do I mean, people, he says that. Do people make bath toys that are supposed to be starships? Because, like, that looked like something you'd throw around in the bath. I mean, it for sure looked like it was crudely carved out of wood and then spray-painted green, and then everyone said, good enough. I thought it was in 90s teal. Was it green? Maybe my color was off. I mean, <laughs> you know. I thought they went, uh, the best color in the universe, as we've all learned in the mid-90s. I mean, it was more of a Diamondbacks teal. Than a <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, it Marlins wasn't a teal. It wasn't a full-on Marlins or Sharks teal. Right. <laughs> um, 
well, he's in love with this fucking thing. But Chakotay isn't interested since, and he says this with his mouth, they have a full complement of shuttles. Yeah, I and the Delta stopped. Flyer. <laughs> I said to Marjan, this is what's wrong with this fucking show. But I said that probably 15 times. Uh, somewhere, Burn has the count. I don't know, they've crashed 10 shuttles or something at this point. Yeah. That's fine. So They've just it, been making them quietly. Yeah, the if background. we accept this statement, the one thing that they definitely can make is just more shuttles. Yeah. Um. But this thing has a couple of special systems. The pilot can fucking jack into it Pacific Rim style with its neurogenic connections or whatever. Also, it's got something called optronic weapons. Mm. And uh, Tom promises. To fix it up on his own downtime. And the price for this thing is real cheap. And they don't think about why that might be. So they put it on the list and they buy it. Uh, we see Tom and Harry working on the shuttle. By the way, uh, we already and, did the whole Delta Flyer thing. You know? Like, uh-huh. When this started, I was like, we doing this again? We, do, we just getting another big shuttle project for TP? Why do I got to see all of these? He should just talk about this kind of stuff off camera now. Or, like, uh, uh, talk about the stuff he's doing off camera. Well, I mean, definitely. But for sure in this episode, they set up that this actually just is kind of a part of his personality. Is yeah. he's Actually, he is in-universe just fucking bored with the Delta Flyer now and on to the next fucking thing. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. They should, like, except obviously it turns out to be the plot of the episode. But, like, this is the kind of right. thing he should be like, ah, oh, I was working on a new shuttle the other day. And, like, you don't <laughs> have to see it anymore. It just happens somewhere <laughs> else. Because I don't care. Uh, I, have a lo- I have a lot of thoughts about what we did and did not have to actually see. This <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk yeah. About that. That's every Voyager episode, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we see Tom and Harry working on this ship. And uh, it turns out that Tom has named the ship Alice after some girl at the Academy who, quote, wouldn't give him the time of day, but who he has apparently been fixated on all this time. Well, he's a great boyfriend. Oh, yeah. He's the, <laughs> the universe is the greatest boyfriend. Uh, he's right ahead of Mark. Um, he's for sure, he also is the kind of guy who, when he gets together with his friends, just wants to talk about the cute girls from high school that he never dated. Yeah. And everyone else is like, I don't know, man, I'm 40 now. What are we? I don't remember what she looks like. You're talking about a, you're talking about a 15 year old girl from 25 years ago now. So. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that's well, him. They get the ship fired up and, uh, Tom Paris immediately lets it plug right into his brain. He wants to do it before another fuse blows. He doesn't ask. What happens like, if a fuse blows while this thing uh-huh. is connected to my he brain? He doesn't ask question one. No one has scanned it. He doesn't know that this is thing is safe to go in my brain. Immediate and terminal brain cancer. Am I going to get brain herpes? Nothing. No questions. He's just like, you all plug right, into let's one computer, man. Out. You plug into all of the people that computer's plugged into. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. The, it is going to, when he gets a letter. From the ship later that's like, <laughs> I just heard from an old pilot. Uh, 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 Abaddon, it turns out he uh, he had some some things going on I wasn't aware Hey, Abaddon of. had some blood work done, and it turns out... <laughs> the doctor was looking at Abaddon after I fried him earlier, and... Um... Uh, yeah, so now Tom Paris just immediately fucking plugs this thing into his brain. Uh, Harry convinces him to knock it off for the night and go get some sleep. But the ship powers up as soon as they leave while spooky uh, horn music plays. And um, and then it it somehow it takes Tom Paris's voice and it fucking transmogrifies it into a sexy lady voice. Yeah. 
And then Despite we the see fact Tom that Paris. Only Tom Paris will ever hear it. Yes, that's right. So, yeah. I mean, why did we need the thing where it switches voices? I mean, like, uh-huh. he's the only one who's ever going to hear it anyway. It could just uh-huh. have her voice. It don't matter. Yep. We don't need that explanation. We don't need an explanation for where this voice comes from. Yep. <clears throat> uh, especially since they don't attempt to explain later where the image of the woman comes from. No, but, is that Alice? We don't know. Uh, so, listen, that's my supposition, but yep. who knows? Uh, later, we see Tom Paris in his quarters. He's still, like, studying schematics or something. And he hears someone call to him. And as he follows the sexy woman voice back to the shuttle bay. And then he says, who are you? And now, I don't know <laughs> if that was a dream or not at this point. Because also, that, maybe that knocks break, out. Maybe that means it wasn't Alice. Because then he probably would have been like, Alice, what are you doing here? It is true. Like, who are you not? What the fuck? Well, in real life, he'd be what the fuck. In Star Trek, he'd be like, my lost love, Alice. <laughs> what are, but what are you doing here, Alice? You should have been in the Earth system. Now, okay, now, I don't know, because you remember that the second Riker saw Minuet in the little home video with Captain Patches, yeah. he was like, you fucking blew it, Tomalock, <laughs> you dumb dildo. <laughs> well, this ain't TNG, for sure. No. This is more TOS, where he's like, Ruth, my, lo- my love, Ruth. Uh, so immediately after the commercial break, we see Tom Paris walking into the shuttle bay like normal. And there's just a shuttle in there. And he says, good morning, Alice, and starts like, there's a little montage. He's like cleaning the windows. And then he's like lasering rust off the hull. And then he changes into a weird flight suit with shoulder pads that it turns out he found in the ship's database. Again, this guy not worried about anything. This is the kind of person who will take a sofa off of the street and put it into his home. Yeah. Oh, for sure. He's just like, I found a sofa. He'll brag about the sofa. That's right. Can you believe someone just threw this out? (laughs) Just because it's got a couple of stains? I saw a possum in there. Uh... And then what we don't see is a bunch of reaction shots where people watch him walk around the ship in this dumb outfit. Mm-hmm. Because the next time we see the next scene, he's in engineering and Harry Kim comes up in his own dumb outfit because <laughs> oh, Tom Paris has is so enthralled with this ship project that he has neglected their date to yep. play Captain Proton. That's right. Uh, and he's like, oh, did you change the look of Captain Proton or something? But no, that's not what it is. He just, he's just in permanent cosplay now. Yeah, he like never takes the thing off. There are characters in the show that specifically ask him to take it off and everyone comments on it and he just keeps wearing it. Yeah. Uh, then we have a scene where Seven goes to talk to Neelix because, uh, turns out a lot of the stuff they got from Abaddon is crap. Yeah. Uh, in fact, almost all of it, but it turns out that Abaddon also sold them, without realizing it, a beryllium crystal that's used as currency in one particular part of the quadrant. Yeah. It's only important because they're gonna need uh they're gonna need to be able to bribe him later so that Janeway doesn't just have to threaten him. Yep, that's uh, Chekhov's beryllium crystal. Um uh, Tom Paris comes into the mess hall, still in cosplay, zero shame, asks, uh, replicates a bottle of champagne uh, so that he can take Bolana for a sexy date where they christen the ship. Uh, and then and then it, it almost looks like they like each other, because instead of breaking the bottle on the hull, they get up into the shuttle and they're just about to make out. But, you know, it's uh, this is Christine. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, for that ten minutes or whatever, it's Christine. Yeah. So this is Christine. So instead of fucking klaxon goes off, and the what does it get too hot inside the shuttle? The the fucking sure. life support systems make it too hot. Like Alice doesn't know that that's the excuse people use to take off clothes. <laughs> um, which is weird because she's plugged right in Tom Paris's brain, but apparently she's yeah. figuring that shit out. Yeah, so he asks Alice to uh, lower the temperature a few degrees, and this is when Bellana hears the sultry voice, and she's not, like, thrilled by that, but what is really making her angry is how immediately distracted TP is, mm. and how it's just like, oh, this is the end of the date, he's got a fucking, now he's on the computer, so, yeah, <laughs> date's over, go on home. Yeah. Well, he needs a few parts to finish up the shuttle and get on that first test flight. And he goes to Chakotay, and Chakotay's like, no, we need those parts. Also, shave your face and put on your regular uniform. You've been late for shifts, and uh, this has got to stop. I mean, honestly, is this not the scene from I Think You Should Leave where the guy's wearing the hat and his boss asks him to take it off, and he says, you're <laughs> he not says... allowed to tell me, you're not allowed to ask me that? Well, when he asks how much to pay for it, he says it's illegal for you to ask me that. <laughs> I just keep thinking he is a I think you should leave character for sure oh, in yeah. this episode. Just wearing that suit around all over the place. Uh well, instead of knocking it off like Chicote says, he goes on down to talk to Alice to tell her how ah, the flight's off. But now we see Alice and she's a woman in a matching jumpsuit. Yeah. And she's got like Allison Hannigan face. Okay, I'll tell you, this lady looks familiar. I don't know why, because I looked up her IMDb, and I would not have seen her in any of the things she's been in. So Yeah, same. Like, she was in Stargate Atlantis, but I only watched Stargate SG-1, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I didn't like, see I that one. I don't know who she is, but she seems familiar for some reason. Yeah. Uh, you know what it is? Is She's Canadian. Ah, uh, yeah. So she just is like the Canadian version of a an American actress. Plus, all Canadians are just vaguely familiar. I mean, a little bit, right? Like, it's the you get comfortable around them and you feel like you know them. That's right. Anyway, she's a matching jumpsuit. She tells him stuff like he needs rest, and no one understands him like she does. Mm. And then you'll feel better if you activate the neural interface. Sure, also, sure. I made some modifications to your flight suit. Don't worry about it. So what you do is you put some cones. You, you put, <laughs> there's some cones. You put these discs right into these fucking uh -huh. cones, buddy. <laughs> you're going to love this fucking game. When you get to level 47, you're going to be on cloud nine. Listen, I heard your complaint about how I only had the free solitaire with the ads, so I uh, <laughs> downloaded what is it? I the downloaded as coolest game in the galaxy. <laughs> exactly, because you know the Qatarians were super, were they're pretty subtle about how they marketed that thing. Yeah, so I don't know. She basically hypnotizes him, I think, into continuing the repairs, and he starts stealing parts of the ship. And while, she, while he's doing that, she's telling him all the stuff a sexy car would say <laughs> about how he needs speed and freedom and the open yeah, road and not right. relationships or child support. She's like, you remember that episode with uh, Zeth? What's his name? Zeth? Zeth? <laughs> Zeth? What was his name? What was the guy's yeah. name? Well, uh, I don't remember. The shapeshifter. The shapeshifter. <laughs> yep. Not, my memory's I, not working today. Um, anyway, because I wanted to say Zeth, but then I think it's the name of that author we hated. Yeah, Zeth Lundy was the author of that terrible book about the... Stevie uh, Wonder, yeah. Songs in the Key of Life. Yeah. 
Anyway, in that episode, it wasn't that the whole thing. He's like, this guy gets to go out and um, he's his own boss. And he just flies a cool little shuttle around. We already did all this already. Fuck. Yeah, she's telling him all this stuff. Uh, Seven catches him in astrometrics. He's charting a course for his first flight. She's like, what's all this crap all over your suit now? (laughs) This thing was already pretty dumb looking and... um, well, you I see mean. how I'm dressed. This is what I mean. Everyone's just commenting on how dumb he looks the whole episode. And he keeps the fucking thing on. Um, and now we see uh, Alice is there, but clearly Seven doesn't see her. So now we know it's a hallucination in his mind and not an imaginary friend type situation. Right, right, right. right. Also, we, we never saw a little light bulb go into the ship. So No, we never saw her barrel into wharf full fucking speed. Yeah, uh, so, you know, he he tries to convince Seven that the suit's safe, and then he makes an excuse and gets out of there. And we have a scene where Bellana's complaining to Harry Kim about Tom Paris constantly putting her on the back burner when he gets a new hobby, mm. which Harry Kim calls the Ferengi Five Stages of Acquisition. Mm. Uh, and at this point, they start to detect problems from all the little parts he's been stealing all over the ship, and she storms off to confront him, because she knows right away what, what's going on. Yeah. yeah but he's does. not in the... He's not in the shuttle bay yet because she forgot to ask the computer where he was. <laughs> well, it's like uh, when Troy goes all the way to Worf's quarters looking for Alexander instead of it's just Alexander saying, computer, where's Alexander? <laughs> Which Worf immediately does. Yep. He isn't like, oh, I bet he's with the dildos. I'll go visit the dildos. He just asks the computer. <laughs> exactly. Well, she doesn't do that. Instead, she goes right into the shuttle, right into Alice to retrieve her equipment. But then the door shuts on her and life support's cut off. But, you know, she wasn't wrong. Tom Paris was heading there. He just got there 90 seconds after she did. He was probably stealing something else. Yeah, probably. And he gets the door open before See, she loses this is a real. This is a real Alexander-type episode, man. That's why all these kind Alexander of. episodes are coming to mind. This guy's a little fucking thief like Alexander. Yes. <laughs> and he's a little fucking liar, too. He lies and steals all the fucking time. Uh, Tom Paris takes her out into the hallway where she yells at him. And then she says, I'm fucking going. I've had enough of this. I'm going to go talk to the captain. And he puts his hands on her. Oh, yeah, he does. And um, when she breaks away, he gets mad at Alice. And Alice argues with him all the way to the turbo lift and then starts uh, causing him physical pain and, uh, you know, makes veins stands out on his head and stuff until he goes back to the shuttle bay to finish his work. He does not say no one more time than she says yes. No. He does not take the Sheridan approach to interrogation or, or coercion. He just goes, yep. okay. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she heard him twice, Matt. So <laughs> he, can't do, he can't deal with that. Uh, we don't see what, how Bolana describes the encounter to Janeway, but um, Janeway does say that she's not going to ruin Tom Paris's promising swimming future over a few <laughs> seconds of pleasure. <laughs> she fucking... She does that fucking thing she does with her fucking coffee mug. And she goes, that doesn't sound like the Tom I know. <laughs> and I just, I just, what the fuck? What the fuck am I watching? What is this? Alana says, it was basically assault. Yeah, she says, I was and assaulted Janeway, by my boyfriend, your helm officer. Joey gets a big shit-eating smile on her face and says, that doesn't sound like the Tom I know. <laughs> First of all, yes, it fucking does. First of all, yes, it does. it does. And second of all, really? She is exactly a 90s woman of class. 
mm-hmm. who's just like, well, you were probably, you probably brought it on in some way. He's, he's a good kid. Oh, it's your new curly hair. It's <laughs> it's very ethnic, and you know, that gets the blood boiling. <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? I couldn't believe when she said that. That's why I asked if you'd already cut it, if you'd already turned it into a soundbite, because that was, that was just, in one way, it was the most outrageous thing anyone said in Star Trek, and in another way, it was exactly in character for her. Yeah, it's a good one, huh? Yeah. Well, Tom Paris launches the shuttle, uh, just like a, a real Jake, just absolutely jakes this shuttle. Mm-hmm. And uh, Voyager catches Not him Jack in a tractor. Not Jack Sisko, we're talking about Jake no, the Teenage no. Loser from uh, TNG. <laughs> Jake the Teenager. Blonde Jake. Blonde Jake, yeah, that's right. If that's how you, that's the, the lens that you view Two the equally through. fleshed out characters, so you yeah, do need a way to define that's them. That's true, not in a way that one is, is more fleshed out. <laughs> Well, it was. I thought it was weird in that episode when Picard's trying to talk him down and he's like, angle his thing, and he's like, I'm writing a book about my dead mom. I mean, it's not. It's not about that, it's but it is the defining that. characteristic of the main character. It was great that they made him say, well, it's not about that. <laughs> like, they couldn't come up with anything else for Jake Sisko to have a book about, but they didn't. They didn't know what to do about it. They just had him hang a lampshade on that one. <clears throat> Well, the solution to getting caught in a tractor beam is to plug colorful tubes into all of the new ports on the suit. Sure. And now the connection is complete, and he can use the optronic weapons to disrupt the tractor beam. And they go to warp and get away. Yeah, he made the Megazord or whatever. They um, they give us about six seconds of what Tom Paris sees, like how he experiences going to warp. But that's it. Yeah. That's all of it. It's it's I'll be honest, it's a little more than we see of Cisco looking through the Google Glass in this week's Deep Space 9. Yeah, where they, they flip around real quick. Yeah, neither director wanted to commit to depicting what this experience might be right. It's basically what might be like is basically what I'm saying here. Yeah. And then uh and then we see that his suit has a thousand new crisscross straps and blinking lights, and he, his arms are going numb, but Alice tells him he has wings, and she specifically tells him he's Icarus, and he's like, you know... I know about that one. I've heard that You know one. how that story ends, right? And she's like, yeah, you, you get an NES game. That's right. That's right. You get an and NES you're, game. Now you're the kid. And we go to a particle fountain, and we just fucking roll around in it. Yep, that's what's going on. Seven manages to recreate the route that he was working on, discovers that there's a particle fountain out there that she thinks Tom Paris doesn't even know about. I mean, and he doesn't Janeway know much. says, uh, the thing from the Exocomp episode, that didn't seem dangerous in that one. But um in real but I guess twelve Federation ships have been blown up uh trying to investigate particle fountains, so yeah. mm. now they are. Now they're dangerous. Yeah. Uh yeah, uh, Alice calls that thing home. So Janeway catches up, and she can talk to Paris, but the shields are up, so she can't get him out of there. But apparently the doctor can read his life signs perfectly, and also he can fucking hack in and send Balana over there. Like, he just puts he puts the normal blinky light on her forehead. Sure. And fucking sends her over there so that she and Alice can fucking argue over Tom Paris's soul or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great stuff. And while this is happening, Tuvok manages to knock the take the shields down. Hacks in also and takes the shields down. Everyone hacks into that shit. 
Yeah. She needed a more secure. Well, the th- problem is she let Tom Paris set the password. I <laughs> uh, boob truck. He likes. He likes them both. And Harry Kim was just like, ah, I've already, I've already uh, hacked I mean, it. It's Captain Proton with a zero for the last O. So <laughs> I got in right away. Uh, they beam Tom Paris to sick bay. Uh, oh man, I guess I skipped the part where they needed to get information from Abaddon, and it turned out that he had been. Yeah. He sees Alice too, and she fucking knocks him out. But you yeah, kind of already he, gave that away. Yeah, he previously was her pilot, but she uh, told him he. Had she a, said he wasn't quote girthy enough. Yeah, exactly, and uh, that he should go find a real stallion for yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. for her, and that's what he did. Anyway, and then Alice, she like fried his brain, and then the doctor had to fix him. Exactly. Without without Tom Paris in there, Alice the ship crashes into the particle fountain and explodes. And then uh, Tom Paris apologizes to Bolana and she forgives him. Mm. So Matthew, are you interpreting all the symbols? I'm trying. Searching your subconscious for their meaning. It didn't help. I wish he would give me some more <laughs> suggestions because I kept trying. Uh, I don't know, man. I could only assume this was like a a drug story. Mm. Like, uh, he had some real drug-seeking behavior in this one, and he was all cracked out and, like, was missing his shift and didn't do the shaving and all that stuff, which is all TV slang. Yeah, you know how when you uh, start smoking too much weed, then you have to get a drug rug to wear. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) You have to buy one of those uh, sweaters, so. That's right. So I said just say no to drugs, I guess. I mean, they make you look tough and die young, which are both very cool. But <laughs> they also make you abuse your girlfriend and steal shit. If it wasn't meant to be a drug parallel, then what is it about? Just general obsession? Because that's even less affecting. So I gave it a two. Uh, I mean, I let them get away with a more straightforward take, which is don't get carried away with your hobbies. <clears throat> look, this time, today, this week, it's a weird alien computer that's a gall in Tom Paris's brain like a worm. Sure. But up until the moment Balana is trapped in the shuttle, she believes this is just another one of his things. Not, I want to make this clear, the moment where he started wearing his own homemade <laughs> uniform around the ship. Because that's how much of a fucking loser he is. Everyone's that was like, oh, he's perfectly believable to everybody. <laughs> yeah. Not the part where he started missing work. Not the part where, where he stole shit. Where he was stealing shit. Yeah. Like, up until the exact moment that she realizes the computer has a mind of its own, mm-hmm. she thinks, normal Tom Paris hobby. Yeah. Like, he, he was just like this when he got into model railroading. It makes me think there have been nine other times shit was missing on the ship, and she said, don't bother looking. <laughs> I fucking know who did it. So, um... Yeah, I mean, it's a two. Like, uh, who's arguing the other side of this? <laughs> Don't let yourself get really carried away and yeah. uh, have all kinds of consequences. Don't worry about it. Hobbies come first. Um. Okay, well, it was a really good episode. I know that. So I'm oh, and confident- by the way... D- You'll give it a good score and execution. Yeah, don't ahead. don't bother trying to check up on the background information because a there's almost none. No one remembered anything about making this episode. Uh, well, and, now I need to watch the. I need to listen to the podcast with uh, uh, Garrett Wong and uh, Michael John Davis. I don't remember his name. His three white names. Uh, Robert Duncan McNeil. Robert Duncan McNeil. So that I 
can figure out if they had any backstory on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, don't worry. The producers knew they were doing Christine in space. <laughs> Great. So two for me. It's good to know the take was really Christine in space. That's yeah. Good. I mean, that's what they were tempting. Yeah. That's what they were going for. Uh, I don't know. Does Christine have themes? I'm sure it, it does. I've never read that or any other Stephen King. So yeah. I don't know. That's a big hole in my reading. In terms of execution. Now they are showing me Tom Paris's hallucinations. <laughs> and you know that's a deduction. Yeah, a lot of automatic deductions about these days. And as I almost always say, I don't think it was necessary. Sure. We could have understood what was going on just as well from outside. We don't need to hear her voice in no. his head. We don't need to see her. I mean, I agree, obviously. So, bearing in mind that there's going to be a deduction, what's good about this one? Yeah, that's really the question. <laughs> not that they wanted to do Christine in space. Yeah, it's not good. It's a bad impulse. Not that we had to see Bellana go into Tom Paris's mind and win him back from a computer. After he had choked her and screamed at her or whatever. That's correct, yeah. yeah. I think he just grabbed her by the arms. I don't think he choked her, but you whatever. know what I mean. Not that Janeway hears that Tom assaulted Bellana in the <laughs> corridor and says... That doesn't sound like Tom Paris. It's <laughs> unbelievable when she said that. <laughs> Not that the shuttle has a weird relationship with a mysterious particle fountain and maybe wants to commit suicide taking Tom with her. It's a, it's yeah, it's not just a bad computer program. It's an alien yeah. or something that thinks it lives in that either lives or thinks it lives in a particle fountain. Not good. So the question then is how many points would this episode have had without the penalty? I like it. I like where we're going. Like would I have given it a couple because at least Janeway didn't threaten, incarcerate, or torture Abaddon? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Hard to say, but I'm fairly confident that it doesn't have enough to overcome the penalty, and I am giving it zero points. All right. I like it when you plummet. Headed for the floor, you're like a comet. That's from a, that's from a K-pop song. <laughs> Honestly, that's not bad for K-pop lyrics. <laughs> it's not like... Uh, you never catch my Pandora or something. Like, I don't. <laughs> yeah, man, Will of the Wisp. You get it. You guys I don't know think about that. Makes that. any sense. <laughs> I don't. How do I? I don't how would think I do about it? Pandora's box for an hour, but I don't think that. How would come I do to it? The conclusion that that's meaningful. Do you mean like when the box opens and then I just like <laughs> swing my arms around trying to try to catch what comes? What do you mean, Pandora the person or Pandora the Pandora's box? And what do you mean? <laughs> Why is that a... Uh, how to catch... How to catch it. How to catch it. Like, catching a vibe? What are you talking about? Yeah, anyway, that's... The song's pretty hot, but that don't make no sense. <laughs> uh, all right, so zero. Good. I mean, yeah, obviously, me. I agree. It, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's not a good episode. Uh, it's a TP episode where he's slightly more monstrous than normal. Yep. Uh, sentient alien computer that's either fucking or destroying him. I couldn't tell what was happening. Poor abused Balana gets no support from anyone. Everyone forgives TP for being a fucking dangerous asshole, as always. They must really need pilots on this fucking ship. Oh, uh, yeah. Bad, man. Um, how did, how did she modify his jumpsuit? Did he just do it without realizing it? Like she made him do it, but he blacked out or something? How'd that happen? Yeah. Listen, <clears throat> it's not clear. 
because when you see the neural interface the first time, it's just a fucking sun visor that slides out over his brain. Yeah. But later, when she's like, you got to complete the connection, a bunch of fucking tubes fly out all over and plug into his suit. And he has to go so through his like, whole animation for, yeah, for yeah. getting into his new suit. Does the thing have... Is there a real comprehensive replicator technology that can adjust your suit no matter where you are? Or, or is this all a metaphor? And, <laughs> and in his brain, she just fucking put the thing on there. But really, if we'd just been seeing him from the outside, he, he would have been like hand-stitching these fucking ports onto his suit. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Did he do it himself, but he doesn't Just singing it. that Pandora song? Yeah. Uh, I guess TP thought no one would ever walk into Astrometrics, you know, where Seven hangs out 16 hours a day. Uh, Janeway was, for a while, barely in this thing. Saw her on the bridge for nine seconds, and then she was out of this fucker. Except to come back and say the worst thing I've ever seen her say. And she said so many bad things. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I didn't... This didn't get into my notes, but a big problem in the episode is... That the entire stakes of what's happening here is Voyager might lose Tom Paris. Yeah, which and it, so it that only is be as, for. as impactful as you believe that would be. And I'm, I want to say with some confidence that I think without Tom Paris they get home sooner. It's got to be true. Think of how much shit they have to go through because he's on a side adventure. His side uh-huh. adventures are a real waste of time. Yeah, I mean they are. Are you going to tell me that they couldn't have designed? A uh, ship that could get into the atmosphere of a gas giant without Tom Paris standing there going, put fins on it. It looks cooler. The stuff he literally said in the show, it looks cooler. Yeah. So that's kind of a big problem, episode, you know, from a television perspective, is that the stakes are... Yeah, man. Uh, maybe they're positive, in fact. I kept I kept saying, hit that fucking particle fountain. Let's do it. We're almost there. <laughs> Ram it. Why yeah, did they let Kess become a weird entity? They could have let Tom Paris merge with the shuttle and disappear into a particle fountain and they never see him again. That Maybe that sends so him 10,000 light years. It would have been the first good thing that ever happened with that character. It would have been like, well, it's only, uh, if you're doing a rewatch, you'd be like, well, there are only 10 episodes from when Tom Paris uh, uh, becomes. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> yeah, man, it's a zero. I don't know. <laughs> it was a very bad episode. World building. Uh, Abaddon's suppository of anal treasures, or whatever he called it. Sure. Uh, they somehow have a full complement of shuttles after losing like 50 of those fuckers over the years. Had to pause it. Just had to pause it and stop there and <laughs> sit <laughs> quietly for a minute. Look at my meditation, my relaxation light. Relaxation light, light exactly. Ah, this shit is VR, just like Dominion ships, I guess, but it's also telepathic or whatever, and it's an alien. Okay. Uh, In Spatial Grid 539, people would trade a whole fleet of starships for that little beryllium crystal. They should fly there right now (laughs) and get whatever they want for that crystal. Hey, for real? We could use a fleet of starships. Hey, would they not just use that fleet of starships to take it from us? Is that part of the problem? (laughs) Yeah, that might be a problem. Uh... This currency might be worth too much, is what I'm saying. Tom Tom Paris said he flew some shuttle when he was eight, and he described it a lot. I put that yeah, in Yeah, S-Class shuttle. Yeah. Mercedes-Benz S-Class shuttle. Yep, they're making a lot of those for hundreds of years. Uh, the uber-dangerous particle fountain. 
I mean, I have it as a two, but I can see a one. I had it as a two also. Let's see why. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neelix's ship is named the Back Seal. Cool. That's the been great. only thing I have that you all didn't already say. It would be great if it was called the, yeah, not the, z- a one. the Zilline or something. Like it was just Neelix backwards. <laughs> yeah, it's a one for me. Okay, then it's a one. <laughs> this fucker's not getting points this week. Voyager, what did you do? What if his ship had been named My Sister Florida? That about uh, 80 points. 10 points. Yeah, for sure. Uh, characterization. Well, Janeway sucks. Yeah, consistent. I mean, she just shows up here to suck. Yep. Uh, Chakotay's management style appears to be give him a lot of rope so he can hang himself because <laughs> he didn't reel him back in until he had showed up late for work a couple of times and been doing cosplay all over the ship. Yeah. And even then, it was probably only because Tom Paris came to his quarters in that moment. Yeah, he definitely needed to snap that shit out right away, and he did yeah. not. He was like, you're here with another thing? I'm already mad. I mean, he was. See, in that first scene, where he's like, all right, but I'm... This better not be uh, just a, a, one of your weird hobbies. We better, you know, this better be worth it or whatever. But then he does yep. just let him do it. So yeah. Uh, Harry Kim and Bolana Torres are a little sick of Tom Paris's shit, but not enough to ask him to make a meaningful change to his behavior. Nah, not good old Tom. For one thing, all the things that they said about him this episode—that doesn't sound like the Tom I know. <laughs> That's not that sound like the Tom I know. <laughs> what? Say it again? <laughs> uh, and as for the man himself, Tom Paris is trash, and this computer probably could have achieved the exact same results with much less blatant manipulation because this was basically all already part of his baseline personality. Yeah. Like, it didn't know that. I mean, maybe every happening. time he comes in contact with an old truck they find in space, it's secretly talking to him. Maybe. Maybe this has been the problem all along. But Maybe like, like Queen Arachnia is calling to him from the holodeck. Alice hurt herself here. She really overplayed her hand. Because <laughs> if she had just let him wait three weeks, they could she could have taken him right to the particle fountain on the first voyage, too. <laughs> it would not have been a thing. That's true. If she'd said, you know what, go ahead and put your uniform back. You can change into that when you come to see me. Yeah, you don't have to wear it 24-7. You don't have to wear it all It does not actually matter ship. to that's, me. Yeah, that doesn't, that's not important. In, in many ways, that will hurt us uh, reaching I can talk to you even when you're not wearing that. That's so, right. Uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, shave and do that. And you know what? Go ahead and do the doctor shit. I know you hate it, but you're not going to have to do it forever. Yeah. And, I mean, seriously, um, can you just not put in a little bit of work for a few weeks knowing that we're going to be um, on fire or whatever inside a particle fountain soon? <laughs> Yeah. Like, come on. So Alice really overplayed her hand yeah. this week. And so in that regard, Tom Paris got lucky. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, in terms of characters this week, um, Tuva, uh, Tuvok and Harry Kim and Balana and Neelix were all okay. And Naomi Wildman wasn't in it, but she did make a card. Again, yeah. an adult made a card for sure. Yep. And presented it as if it was from her. So I'm giving it a total of three points for characterization. But, um, woof. Yeah, not me. I gave it a one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) TP knows everything about old trucks, but can't look up Tuvok's age. Oh, yeah. Uh, He's got to have this ship because everything on this whole mission is about him. 
he had a thing for a girl named Alice years ago, so that's why he names the ship Alice. He's an awesome boyfriend. Of course, the ship is a sexy lady. <laughs> uh, Do you remember that episode <laughs> of 30 Rock where maybe Liz thinks she's pregnant or something and Dennis wa- wants to name it after an old girlfriend of his? <laughs> He'd really like to honor this chick yes. he used to boff. Yes, that is exactly the kind of boyfriend they present Tom Paris as, but it's not It's not a good joke. It's not yeah. a great joke. No. It's not funny because you're not supposed to think, this guy sucks. <laughs> By the way, that guy, I never learned that guy's name in real life, but the, you know, he's the guy from the commercials, the insurance yeah. commercials. Anyway. He was in Oz too, but I never did see that. That guy is really, 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 really good as that, as that it, character. The character of Dennis Duffy is one of the... Listen, there's a lot of great parts to 30 Rock, but he is part of he's one of the best from yeah. his, the moment we meet him as the Beeper King all the <laughs> way through to whatever his last appearance is. Yeah. Um, yeah, TV writer language. He hasn't shaved or changed his clothes, so he's hella addicted to drugs or whatever in this uh-huh. case. Alien spaceship drugs. Uh, then he almost gets his girlfriend killed and then he shouts at her a lot after that because, again, he's the class of the Delta Quadrant. Um. Neelix runs point on this trading shit. I think it's because Chaco doesn't fucking care at all. <laughs> um, Harry's done solo slooping, so he's out on Captain Proton when TP bows out. Oh, yeah. He's yeah, not yeah, just yeah. going to go back there and play the adventure. He's done. Yeah, he has an hour left in the holodeck, but he's not fucking... All right, maybe I finally will go do the fucking harem parts I was so excited about one of the first times we saw Captain Proton. But it's, you know, but is an hour really... Like, I just don't want to be rushed. You know, yep. So I'm just not gonna. I'm not gonna bother. I'm gonna. You think if you only have an hour of hologram of a holodeck time, you pull up the program you know works? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. You don't like. You no, don't you're do not five minutes of this program. Then I go. You know what, computer, change it to. Uh... Nah, you're not playing around. Yeah. You're finding the one that does the trick. Um, Bellana goes looking for support from a woman in charge. Gets none and just goes back to the guy in the end because it's uh, it's great writing. Yeah. Yeah, it's a yep. one, man. It's a fucking one. Voyager. Well, Shame you gave on it you. Four and I gave it six, so. Well, I'm not gonna say I don't know if that's even top five worst, but it's fucking bad. Ten's bad. Uh you shouldn't get ten out of eighty. Nah, there have been seven episodes that have scored less than a ten. <laughs> And several of those are Voyager episodes. I can't count. Six. Six have scored less than a ten. Four of them are Voyager. Yeah. One TOS and one Enterprise. The Omega Glory and Bound. I mean, the Omega Glory was was its own beautiful thing. (laughs) (laughs) Which one's Bound? Is that the one where... T-Paul falls on top of Archer and puts her titties right <laughs> no, up Oh, you face. know that was one of the good ones, unfortunately. Okay. That's one of those uh, ones with the Andorians <laughs> or whatever. Uh, let me see. Bound Enterprise. It's uh, the one where they get taken in by the Orion slave girls. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I bet that one. There's a reason that scored eight. Anyway, ten out of eighty is very bad, and you should do yeah. better than that for you. Uh, only only five episodes have scored a ten, and six lower than a ten. So eleven out of the hold on. So far, we've scored one thousand five hundred and forty three. Okay, well, bad job. Yep. Uh, quick hitters. 
Uh, best actor was definitely M. Furry Abraham, who I did not realize was that guy. Yeah. He definitely looked like a decent actor next to these loud turds. Uh, my Subaru is named Amy, but I didn't name it. E- like <laughs> Each Bluetooth profile is named after a lady, and it goes alphabetical. So <laughs> it popped up as Amy. You know, I've never named a car. I've only owned two cars personally. I've never named either one of them. But. Yeah, I have not either, except that the Bluetooth pro- t- profile already called it Amy, and it's not based on someone I had a crush on. I promise. I think it's because we grew up with named cars, and then I'd have to be like, do you remember Bunter? And I'm like, ah, though. They have not. weird names. Bunter. Yeah. That's all. I hope that wasn't somebody that our dad was in love with. Um, <laughs> No. You know the names of the people our dad was in love with. <laughs> yes, they talked about it inappropriately all the time. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, those were the kinds of things that we came to know. Um... That flight suit that Tom Paris is wearing is fucking terrible. It's the worst. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's where I say that ship was painted the color of the 1990s. <laughs> is Voyager like the New York Yankees? Isn't it? Is it a Chaco rule or a Janeway rule that you can't have facial hair? It's a good question. Because I've definitely uh, seen facial hair in Starfleet. Sure, yeah. On um, Riker. For on one. Riker. And on uh, Argyle. Yeah, and Queen... Uh, Queen Quineros? What was the guy's Quine- name on that Starbase? Quineer- Quine- yeah, Quineros, probably. Whatever his he had facial hair. <laughs> ben Quadraneros. Yeah, Quadraneros out there. He was That's one of the I think that's one of the uh pod racers. He was uh the one who was handsy with Yar. That guy, he had facial hair. Mm-hmm. Um so you know, it happened. Worf. Worf's got it. Um yeah, Worf does have so, it. So like it happens, but Chaco's like, you better fucking shave. And I was like, uh-oh, wait a minute. I guess it's one of those rules that's selectively enforced, like the way no one cares about Troy until uh, halfway through this next season. <laughs> Good end of the next season. It's basically something you say for when someone's being a piece of shit, and then you fucking throw that in their face, too. Yep. Oh, and by the way, I haven't said anything for a while, but you better clean this shit up. Uh, This lady, Alice, sounds just like Bing. You don't love your wife, you're bored, you love me, etc., etc., <laughs> Wait, was it Bing or ChatGPT that made that guy kill himself? I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't know. That new story sure. that came out in this last week. If you want to place this in space and are listening to it in the future, I don't like know. I had a, a series of conversations for months about climate change and the future of the Earth with one of these chatbots and fucking offed himself. I mean, the chatbot told him the truth. It's unfortunate. It said, "Hey, man, we're, we're all fucked." Um, I think this lady told Tom Paris that they had a need for speed. Uh-huh. That was great. I'm glad that happened. What about you? Uh, This kind of basic personal information about Tuvok must be in his record, but I guess they're not looking it up because that would spoil the dumbest game yet devised, but they're very bored. They must be super bored having to hang out there. If you got to hang out with them, I mean, those fucking guys, all of them, you'd be pretty bored too. This is a thing that I do sometimes that I think irritates Katie, where she'll ask me a question and I'll try to reason it out rather than just immediately look up the answer. <laughs> but like, I don't know, I guess my thinking is you could have looked it up. Yeah, this is that's the opposite of the way Marjan and I play, where she only wants me to reason it out. She doesn't want me to look anything up. She'll be like, how old do you think this person is? And then um, if I grab my phone, she's like, no, 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 just like, guess, how old do you think? And then I got to be like, all right, so they were in this thing. That was probably about 1990. And I don't know. I'm guessing she must have been like 30 at that point. And then I say, uh, 63. And she goes, fuck, she's 63. 
because I'm <laughs> fucking amazing at this game. Well, that is a game you're pretty good at. It's always like just based on rough estimates, and I always get it exactly. Uh, Matt, you're a man uh, of temper. Mm. Do you know what it feels like when your blood pressure rises? Yes. Okay, so that's what I felt when Chuckles said they had a full complement of shovels. <laughs> like, I felt the heat in my face and tightness. I see, uh, that just made me giggle. I just giggled. Because Voyager amazing. can't hurt me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not true, because five minutes later, Janeway said that thing. And then I, yeah, I that definitely, Voyager definitely did hurt you. I yeah. felt that. I felt the thing you're describing. Uh, yeah, uh, the uh, outfit that he's got has the rare combination of big shoulder pads and a very open crew neck. Right, well, okay, what was worse? That flight suit he was wearing, or the crazy future suit that, uh, ah, the time man from Enterprise wears. What's his name? Daniels. Daniels. Daniels' dumb time suit made out of fucking vacuum tubes or whatever. <laughs> the thing about Daniels' suit that I always imagine, so the actor who plays Daniels, He's just just a, he just has a regular human body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's but not. But the suit the that office. he's wearing is not a suit for a regular human body. It's a suit that there's probably there's probably a bunch of guys who've got like they got that classic V, big broad yeah. shoulders, narrow waist look where that yeah, suit yeah. looks Panthering. pretty okay. Every single other human is gonna look pouchy in yeah, that suit. That's unfortunate. And that guy had to wear it, I don't know, fifteen times in Enterprise. Alright, but why not just give him the Borg ab plates? They did not. They just they gave him a bunch of to. tubes. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, in the future they're all too evolved to care about whether they have abs. That's why the only time you see jacked people in Starfleet is in Enterprise. <laughs> is in Enterprise's day. Yeah, that's right. They get less jacked over time because Kirk's, Kirk's definitely day, more jacked than the less, TNG dudes. They're less jacked than Enterprise, but they're definitely more jacked than anyone in the TNG cast. Or that era. I mean, soft boys like <laughs> Harry Kim. You know what I mean? Exactly. Although Harry Kim looked uh, looked like he'd worked out a little bit, I think. Maybe it was just the result of pushing his sleeves up. Oh, yeah. Uh, when he was working out, when he was wearing that uniform, but I thought that he looked like he'd been doing some work in between season five and six, or, you know, since the last time I paid attention to it. Well, maybe it was after that book. anecdote they described in that book about how they <laughs> could kept, be kept reading in the script about how fat they were. Right. And, which, uh, by the way, they weren't. No, they were just regular dudes, but they kept reading about how fucking fat they'd become, and maybe they decided to do something about it. It's just like every time you think about O'Brien, you're like, that guy's really dumpy, and then you take a, yeah, you actually no, take a close fine. look, and you're like, no, he's not. He just seems dumpy. No, he's a, he's a dumpy kind of, he's a dumpy sort, but he's, he's not like, actually you know dumpy. he should be dumpy, so it doesn't matter that he's not. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that outfit was awful, and I think it was worse than the than Daniels' time It outfit. could have been, because it was fucking horrible. Um... Boy, when I paused it and he's stealing stuff in the Jeffries tube and she's doing her tell me about your first flight scene, there were still 20 minutes left and I got real low. That's uh, the feeling people have pausing this podcast right oh, now. Oh, yeah, yeah, Going, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. no, we've been doing an hour or something on this and we're still on Voyager. <laughs> I mean, honestly, we do mailbag. Then we tend to do about 50 minutes on whatever the worst episode was the previous <laughs> week. And then we kind of blaze through the good ones, right? Yeah, because, again, I'm out of that good juice that's gone Yeah, now. exactly. I wasted it on Voyager And again. that's why we switched to doing this, because we were just always doing 50 minutes on TOS or mm-hmm. TNG. And then by the time yeah, we got to Voyager, Yeah, we'd get through those like, two. We'd have three episodes anyway, left and be two and a half drill, hours This in. is not a good show. Show. Yeah. Uh, just uh, you guys remember my notes from last week. Just change some of the names around, and that's. So I usually assume when we get through this first episode, we're about halfway through. That's probably true. 
uh and then i don't know uh this was silic he played uh he's played a romulan he's played a bunch of people uh, do you, and then, yeah, do you think this is what the Alice from Tom Paris's Academy days looked like? Yeah, but then I I can't think that because he, he's not Because like, he says, who are you? Yeah, he's like, whoa, I've never seen you before in my life. And you're like, oh, damn it. I don't know what's happening. For sure, happening. the computer would have fucking minuet styled it and would have made her look like she was still 19 or however old she was when Tom Paris knew her too, right? So yep, exactly. So, yeah, it just, I don't know. I don't know where it got this image of a human woman. Yeah. Or maybe she looks so familiar because it's a composite. Ah, uh, yeah. This Maybe. is just like, it's just like, what's a real Tom Paris type? And it's like... That's why she's familiar to him and us. You know, auburn hair, big crazy eyes like Kess had. That's right. She did have Jennifer Lean eyes. A little bit. Especially <laughs> when she was playing crazy. Just thought of an episode title. Jennifer Lean eyes? Jennifer Lean eyes, Jennifer Lean eyes? <laughs> I see, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think um, it's just a shame that alphabetically and chronologically it's not going to appear near the episode Shatner Eyes, Shatner Eyes. Yeah, it's too bad. Uh, I'm sure that that'll just be one of the joke ones in the MP3 file that I'm the No, I wouldn't. I would never blow the title like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just say it out loud a bunch. I give Best Actor to Tuvok. I don't know why. He's like mildly irritated by everything. But I'm mildly irritated by everything, too, yeah. so I'm feeling it or something. Yeah, it's maybe this week. Tuvok was the audience avatar. Maybe it wasn't yeah. Seven. Though and she did uh, cap on that suit a lot, and I was like, fucking right. I gave Worst Actor to Alice. I don't have specific notes. Hmm. It's I mean, just, she played it big. She played it very big. Hmm. And maybe I'm rolling up my feeling that we didn't need there to be an actress cast for this at all. Into this. But. Sure. That's where it stands. I hope I'm not hurting feelings with these worst actor nominations, but well, sometimes a little kid's got to know they didn't do it right. Yeah, sometimes you got to hand it to an eight year old. Sometimes I got to tell an eight year old they fucked it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the Wildman baby is just gonna have to hear some. some it's tough love for the Wildman baby. Uh, that's Voyager. By this the way, week, speaking of how much time we spend on Voyager. Uh, I think I spent as long as we've talked about this Voyager episode explaining to Marge on who the Wildman baby was the other day. Because I made a <laughs> joke about the Wildman baby. It's extremely tricky. She had no idea what I was talking about, and it took me a very long time to explain it. And you got to be like, her mom's human, but her dad, who is dead, was a, a different race. And that's why she's got a little bit of horns and also why she grows so fast. And it's yeah, okay it's that like... she's nine years old, even though she was born four seasons ago. <laughs> yeah, I had to go through that whole thing. I was like, nah, she should be two or whatever. But, you know, it's a real Alexander situation. <laughs> it's an, exactly. She's played by some 10-year-old. Where's her mom? I don't fucking know, to be honest. I can't Honestly, keep track. she's in, like, way less episodes than the baby. I don't know if she's dead or alive. She's alive. I'm telling you, I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, it's a very long... Sometimes there's a very long explanation for a very simple question, like, who's the yeah. Wildman baby? It's never... And it's never good when you get asked a very simple question like that, and you go... Hold well, on, let me reset okay. 14 times in my head before I start. <laughs> let me... Let me let me build the outline for what I have to tell you in my head here. <laughs> um, second place last week was The Next Generation. This week we watched uh, The Next Phase. <laughs> Your turn again. Back to back biscuit. Paces nervously 
as Enterprise approaches a Romulan scout ship broadcasting a distress call. Uh, They're facing a core breach. Riker beams over with Geordi, Roe, and Worf, unarmed, and starts assessing the scene. The captain of the ship is dead, but science officer Mirok gives Riker permission to take the graviton generator back to the Enterprise so a new one can be fabricated. Mm. And he sends it back with Geordi and Roe. You know how this goes. Uh, Chief Brosmer can't beam him over. <laughs> it's just... Look, man. I don't know for sure, but the feeling I got about this lady was that she's abusing over-the-counter drugs or prescription drugs <laughs> or something. But she's an abuser of substances that you wouldn't necessarily think would be harmful. Yeah, we'll go to Theory Corner about <laughs> what I think happened with this transport later, of course. <laughs> okay. Um, she can't beam him over. And they don't rematerialize on the Romulan ship either. They're just gone. Yeah. Uh, Data can't find them anywhere on the sensors. Deanna can't sense them. It's wild they even thought to ask. Um, Picard says, okay, no more beam overs for a while. Data, you go over there uh, with a shuttle and, um, you know, take some engineers or whatever. Right. Worf comes on in and gives a little report. They're not going to be able to get to the bridge from this room where they are, where all of the equipment is. So they're not going to have to build a second Romulan set. Yes, that's very helpful for us at home. He also says that readings indicate 73 Romulans are still alive on the ship. And this surprises one of the Romulan ladies. But Mm. um, then a big alarm goes off. So no one circles back on why she seemed surprised to hear 73 and said 73 out loud and then probably said god damn it i shouldn't have said that <laughs> oh, you did it again lisa oh, jesus i mean talisa ah oh, dang it you even got your own name wrong again how do you think talisa's spell you know what oh wait i'll wait till the episode comes out and then i'll know uh <laughs> The Romulans have to manually jettison their warp core. The Enterprise extends their shields around it. Everyone's okay. Picard goes walking down to sickbay. Um, we're going to learn in a minute why. But he walks right past the prone form of Ro Laren, and he doesn't notice that she's just laying in a corridor at all. He didn't even say it out loud as he's walking past, like, Ro laying down on a corridor. Seen that before. <laughs> uh-huh. Nothing. Taking a nap. Mm-hmm. It's unprofessional, but I knew that about her. That's what I've come to expect. This is why you're not a lieutenant commander. <laughs> a um, lot of people say it's because of what happened on whatever that planet was, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> she wakes up in the hall there. Her communicator doesn't work, and uh, but she don't feel good anyway. So she walks on down to sick bay to check in. Um, but the grocery store door doesn't open for her. And, and then when she gets in, she just, you know... She does the thing that every every year when you have to do your annual uh, security and compliance training, they're like, don't let someone follow you in. Mm, yeah. Well, that's they, how she that's, gets yeah, into The whole episode, everyone's doing that in this one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. People are constantly badging her in. Yeah. Um, honestly, that's not true. There are a lot of times when they have her materialized through a wall for no reason. Yeah, um, they spent bucks on that. They did. They definitely spent Actually, money on Actually, there's kind of this. a lot of effects of various kinds in this one. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, this was supposed to be a bottle show, but then it got expensive. It got expensive. <laughs> they said we got the perfect bottle episode for you. Yeah. And then they came back six weeks later and went, we fucked up, guys. We wrote so uh, much stuff that's going to need money. What? He's got to fly out into space and die there? <laughs> How are we going to even do that? 
I don't know. I couldn't help it. I just... I kept writing things that need money. What do you mean they eject the warp core and the Enterprise extends its shields? What do you mean you it's not good enough that they fire disruptors around and they have to blow up the disruptor? There's no footage of that from Star Trek VI. <laughs> um, when she gets into sick bay, no one can see her. No one can hear her. She shouts at him like she's a she's a little bit of a slow thinker here. She just thinks people are being rude to her, probably because, frankly, most of the crew of the Enterprise are still shitty to her. This is at least the third time everyone has decided yeah. to ignore her. This yeah, she thinks it's a fun joke, but like she's actually hurt in some way. Yeah, she got hurt. That's why she went to sick bay. It's not funny to her. Yeah. Um. Then she goes over to uh, Crusher's office where P- she Picard and Crusher are arguing about whether it's time to declare them dead. Crusher thinks it's a little bit early because they just fucking disappeared on the transporter a minute ago and nobody even thought to ask, do we still have a copy of their pattern? Or well, we no go, one will in the whole episode. Can we go to her quarters and get some DNA or anything? Like, she she just, she changes her hairstyle pretty much every time we see her, so there's probably a bunch of DNA in her quarters, would be my guess. Uh-huh. Also, just check Riker's quarters. I bet her DNA is there. Yeah, uh-huh. 100%. Definitely her DNA is in Riker's quarters. But Picard's like, no, they're dead. You know <laughs> what? They're dead. I'm fucking sick of hearing about it. <laughs> so um, Picard turns and walks right through Row on the way out. And uh, then she puts her hand through Crusher's desk and then swipes it through Crusher's laptop mm. and then watches as Crusher changes her status to deceased on her other computer, not on her laptop, which is just showing her schedule. Yeah, she likes to feel important by having all these monitors up, but like... (laughs) Exactly. She doesn't need them. Enterprise starts transferring power to the Romulan ship and also replicating a new engine core or modifying some old shit they had lying around to give the Romulans the ability to head home at warp 2. Data asks Picard for permission to plan Geordi's memorial service, um, but they, you know... He's just getting a... He's not going to go do that now. He's got to go scan the transporter or whatever. Mm-hmm. The Romulans have asked Worf for a computer, and he's pretty livid about the whole thing, but Riker's like, I bet there's some old trash in our storage that we could give them. <laughs> you know how we always carry around fucking 40-year-old computers. You know how this uh, four-year-old ship has a 40-year-old computer on it, for sure, right? It's just, it's just hanging out down there. So, yeah, <laughs> why don't you just use that? What? You know how when they were outfitting this ship, they just beamed a bunch of crap from another ship over, and they're like, I don't know, that ship had everything it needed. <laughs> just put, and you know, anything you see on the crazy horse, just put that stuff on the Enterprise, all right? <laughs> uh, but what do you mean? Like, they're different ships, they got different, no, it's just, like, it's just, we gotta get going here. We gotta move on. So, anything you see on there. All right, I well, guess they're gonna need these 40-year-old computers. <laughs> I, it's, it's wild that they think they might have one, but... Yep. Honestly, we never circle back on this plot point. Maybe they don't give the Romulans a computer. Maybe they give them nothing. Maybe they're like, I don't know, can we um, just network five pads together or something? Maybe Worf brings in a big empty box and watches them open it. He says, here, I brought something for you. And then he watches them open the box. It's your computer, enjoy. And he just fucking walks out. Uh, Now Ro makes it down to engineering. And it turns out that Jordy's there. And she and Jordy can see each other, and they can, like, very awkwardly touch hands. Like, yes. this is not the point that they're at in their relationship. Yeah, they're not They're not trying to touch yet. Yeah. 
And she's like, well, you, you know the way Jordy was with Hugh last week. You know he hasn't been nice to Rolaren. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. He takes, he seems to take on all the grudges everyone else on the ship has without thinking yes. about it much. In the hope that it will make the other people like him, I yeah, think. Yeah, my buddies are mad at you, and I really want to get in good with them, and I am also mad at you. Well, Ro breaks the news to Jordy that they are legally, and maybe actually, dead. Yeah. Um, and Jordy doesn't believe he's dead, because if so, why isn't he naked? That's a very good question, though. It's a super good question. <laughs> How come he's still blind? That's right. Yeah. Uh... Roe chooses not to address either of these questions because, like everyone in Star Trek, she has apparently been one second away from finding religion in a big way this whole time. Yeah, I mean, without giving too much away, I was extremely disappointed in our king, Roe Laren. <laughs> yes, this, this was not king shit. I briefly titled my notes, The Death of Kings. Yeah. Uh, she thinks, uh, because of course she prefers Bajoran beliefs. Yeah. She thinks they need to make peace with their past lives in order to pass on. But uh, Jordy's like, okay, I'm going to go to the transporter room and see if I can figure out what happened to us. Yep. Uh, um, I like how Jordy's plan like, immediately pays dividends. He's just like, instantly <laughs> he starts to unravel the mystery. First of all, 100%. There's Secondly, that one point where he starts to maybe think she's right. <laughs> Secondly, he is extremely comfortable with what has happened to him because yeah. he just fucking walks right through a wall on the way out. Yeah, he don't give a shit. Doesn't occur to him that he doesn't actually know the way to get there, not through the corridors. Oh, I'd get so confused, man. Like, you'd be like, He's ah, halfway shit. in a Jeffrey's tube and it's like, oh, I'm no, in a no, no, wall. No, which tube is this? I don't, like, I don't know where I am. I'm gonna, you know what I'm gonna have to do is find one of the exits to the Jeffrey's tube and then ghost through that and then sort of figure out where I, I am. Yeah, I'd just be ghosting through the regular doors. Just taking I'll have a to fucking. Path. You know what I'll probably have to do is ask the computer how to get to sick bay, and then when Harry Kim says what, I'll say <laughs> I forgot what. I'm tired. It's no, not a big deal. Sometimes people forget things. I mean, I'm tired. <laughs> what was his name? Was it not Zeth? I don't know. I man. Maybe it was Zeth. <sighs> Kill it. You know, ask Bing what the name of Tom Paris's right. shapeshifter buddy was. Tom. Uh, the name of the episode was Visa V. Yeah, sure. Good lord. And the name of the Steph was Steph. <laughs> there it is. And I feel like you've remembered that before. I have, but it's been a while since we talked about that shitty episode. Because I got Bulldog from Frasier. Yes. Well, um, we go to the transporter room, and Brossler clearly feels like. I don't think she knows Data, and she feels like she's on the fucking hot seat here. She's trying to explain to Data that she did everything normal, mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that she pushed all the buttons she normally pushes, etc. She's thinking, I gotta get back to my quarters and hide all those pills. <laughs> yes. Like, there's gonna be an investigation. I gotta, sh gotta shove a whole bunch of loose pills into the fucking replicator and say, delete <laughs> She's like, does anybody does anybody know what the rank is below transporter chief in this universe? Because I'm wearing one squire. of them. Oh, I don't even one. know what that means. Shit. What's the insignia? For? Oh no, it's those Kaczynski squares. <laughs> oh damn it! Shit. You gotta put me on Kaczynski's level after this bullshit. I'm gonna have to travel around with all the weird aliens. 
Um, Data has been detecting chroniton particles, and he thinks they got beamed over from the, the Romulan ship because, like, a maybe a damaged cloaking device would make chroniton particles or some shit. Yeah, well, whatever. Uh, and he decides to head over in a shuttle to figure out what's going on. Uh, at this point, Ro has hitchhiked her way to the bridge because she is apparently much less confident about navigating the ship than Jordy. Well, it's also a very confusing situation where you can lay down on the hallway and you can your feet don't go through the bottom. Uh huh. So how? No, would it's you... a very it's very rough. It's very hard. But to then think also about. you can fly right through walls and stuff. Like so. it feels like she could probably climb a ladder, except could she grip it with her hands? Maybe not. It's very difficult to tell. Yeah, it'd be very difficult. What anyway. the fucking rules are. She pops out of a transporter of a turbo lift, sarcastically thanks someone, and then starts saying goodbye to no one, nobody. Like seriously, every regular is somewhere else. They're not. None of them are on the bridge at this moment. And that's why I don't she gives know. up so fast. She's like, "I'm here to say goodbye," and then she doesn't say anything else. <laughs> I don't know if that was so they could have filmed this with a second unit or what, but yeah, there's fucking nobody up there. I but had that then... curly headed fuck in the back, right? Wasn't he there? That guy who gets lines in this episode. He gets lines in this episode because Worf's on the Romulan ship pretty much yeah. the whole time. Well, then Riker and Picard show up, and she follows them into the ready room, but, like, through a weird wall at a weird angle instead of going right through the door, which is thinnest and also is pointed, dire- like, directly between her and where they went. Yeah. Instead, she, like, dog legs it out to the <laughs> left and then cuts back through a wall. Sure. She hears Riker say he's going to say a few words about Roe at her funeral. Because once again, he has forgotten that he knew Jordy on the hood, which is what Picard <laughs> thinks he was going to talk about. Yeah, man, I got hot notes on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Well, it's your sort of your main point. You made it as recently as last week. That he doesn't give one fuck about Jordy. <laughs> that he forgets that they work together on the hood. That he served with him previously and just yeah. doesn't care about that guy even for one quarter second. Yeah. Uh, she's still doing her farewell tour, so she starts thanking Picard for trusting her when no one else was going to give her a shot. And then Jordy comes in from what looks like it should be outer space and tells her they need to get on the shuttle over to the Romulan ship to figure out what's what. Yeah. So they camp out behind Data and Worf on this shuttle by a bunch of barrels, but those barrels aren't dangerous to them now. (laughs) But also... You know, it's not like the shuttle leaves and they stay where they are because they go they travel through. <laughs> no, nope. that doesn't happen. No, they hit you right. It's yeah, the shuttle doesn't the fucking lift. fly right through them. And then Jordy goes, I don't know what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> they didn't get on the turbo lift earlier and the turbo lift just left and they were still there. And they, ah, shit. No, no, it all works like you'd want it to. Yep. Um, but, you know, this is a universe where thought is part yeah. of what determines physical law. Well, it so. didn't help that lady who got sucked halfway into that bulkhead, but you well, know, she maybe wasn't that's what she was thinking. <laughs> maybe she was one of those people who imagines fire, and that was her. Yeah, that's probably what it was. You know, Picard probably had everyone write up a report about what they saw, and he got rid of the weak links. That's that right. fucking ballerina, <laughs> out. You're done. You're fucking done. Uh, but the guy who dreamed about being in the Put symphony, it up with your I liked, mind! I like the symphony guy. Keep him. Yeah, keep the symphony guy. <clears throat> um... Data and Worf uh, get caught up in a holding pattern and have a minute to discuss what kind of memorial service they should have. Worf thinks Jordy is with the honored dead now, and he's happy for the guy. Yeah. And it's it's a little ghoulish, and it doesn't seem like the Worf that we know, honestly. No. But I guess he's already getting pretty religious at this point. Yeah, he hasn't told everyone all about the monasteries and all that shit. Yeah. He's definitely been reading up on it. 
They get to the Romulan ship. Jordy starts sticking his head in equipment while Data tells the Romulans to clean up their fucking chronotons. Yeah, seriously. And then uh, once that conversation's wrapped up, Jordy works out that the Romulans are pursuing an old Klingon idea, a phasing cloak that makes matter pass through other matter. Yeah. But at no point do they notice the creep sitting in the big chair. The guy in the foreground? Yeah, who's just who is otherwise doing nothing. Not moving, not doing anything, not taking part in the attempts to salvage the ship. <clears throat> yeah. But uh, definitely listening to them talk. Yep. Um, they do hear uh, Mirok and the lady who knew about uh, that there shouldn't be 73 people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talisa. Planning to blow up the Enterprise with a muon feedback beam in order to keep their interface generator secret. Yeah, and she also says that too loud, the part that she says. It's too, it's very, it's too loud, and it does make you wonder... How does Data's hearing? Makes you wonder if Talisa has voice modulation. Yeah, no, Talisa definitely <laughs> is. Like Pete Sampras, it's a mild case. That's right. Um, <laughs> she's like Pete Sampras in a lot of ways, really. But it's yes. true. That's what I thought when I saw her too. But um, whoops! It turns out that the chair creep, who I'm going to call Lucky Number Seventy Three, is sure. uh, is also phased, and he follows Jordy and Roe as they leave the room. Yeah. And then I guess he takes a shuttle over to the Enterprise, but not the same shuttle that Roe and Jordy are on, huh? Nah, he gets off with a bunch of no ones. Exactly. So he just hustles into a shuttle <laughs> and goes over there. And he's also surprised when the shuttle takes him with him. But, you know, he gets where he's going. <laughs> he's like, there's no fucking way this is going to work. Well, uh, okay. I was wrong. Now Data starts detecting chronoton fields. And he's picking them up everywhere that Roe and Jordy have been. So, Roe goes off with Chief Brosmer to the bridge to pinpoint all the locations, while Geordi stays with Data, and Geordi figures out that the chronoton fields are popping up everywhere he passes through normal matter. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, Data is a very slow thinker this week. Yeah. So, even when Geordi keeps walking back and forth through the big engineering console, he just keeps fixing it with his anion emitter. Yeah, without thinking, like, I wonder why this is happening. Huh. What's going on here? Yeah. Why did you happen five fucking feet in front of me and every time I correct it, it comes right back? Well, number 73 pops up to the bridge and uh, points a disruptor at Row, and he's like, yeah, I can see you. I was also, you know, it happened to me too. <laughs> I don't know if I was beaming somewhere or how it happened or what, but it happened to me. Don't think about it. You know, uh, this should make us best friends, but yeah, it does not. <laughs> Instead, you gotta you gotta take me to Jordy, and then we gotta figure out how to fix this. Down in engineering, Jordy gets a little zap from Data and discovers it's a little harder to push through the console. But at this point, Data's fucking done with this, and he just puts his toys down. Yeah. Now Roe gives her guy the slip, and he shoots at her, and that causes a big chronoton field everywhere. So we know this disruptor is going to be important. Hmm. I mean, I guess we knew it was important when he assured her it worked. Kind of as uh, if it's the only reason this character exists. Yeah, a little bit. So they could borrow a weapon that had already been affected. Uh, he chases her all throughout the ship while Data and Jordy walk around scanning things. Uh, he stuns her in the leg, but then there's a they get distracted when the doorbell rings, and it turns out Jordy and Data are at the door. And Jordy rushes in and shoulder checks the Romulan <laughs> through a window and into space, and he's dead. He's dead, man. He died. He That's died, it. by the way, quickly. Jordy killed a guy. Jordy killed this guy, for sure. Without a weapon. 
just his bare fucking hands or whatever. Now Science Officer Mirok calls the Enterprise and says, Yeah, we're ready to switch to internal power. Thanks for everything. And then uh, the Enterprise is going to go to warp as soon as Brosmer finishes decontaminating the ship. So uh -oh. Jordy and Roe, they need to get somewhere with a lot of people, and they need to create a lot of chronoton fields. And because then the ticking clock is when they go at warp. That's when that muon, ship's going to blow. Yeah, yeah thing is going to. Uh, hoping that they can, they'll become visible briefly and people will see them, and then they can tell them, don't go to warp. Right. So, luckily, this is exactly when the memorial is set to start. Yeah, it seems Data like a bad time. has planned it very efficiently, and Picard has given him permission to do it mm, seven to eight hours after Roe and Jordy die. Yep, and uh, just right there with the Romulan ship still there and everything. Just all yep. of that. Still happening. All the chronoton, <laughs> everything's still happening. But no, let's do it now. Why not? Yeah, now it will. Jordy will say that he hasn't eaten in two days at the end of this episode, so I guess maybe a little more time has passed. You don't need to rush a memorial service that fast, Data. Yep. Well, anyway, they go down to 10 forward, and Data has uh, hired a New Orleans jazz combo for some reason. Yeah, we'll talk about that as well. Uh, Rose starts shooting everything with 73's gun, uh, including right through Riker's brain while he plays the trombone. Didn't think to her. It didn't occur to her to think, uh, is this actually a safe thing for me to do? Is it okay for him to have all those chronotons in his it's brain? Good, is it good to put all them chronotons in his brain? <laughs> oh, what if his brain goes back in time? That'll fuck everything up. <laughs> so, but she just does it. Data says, yeah, it, by, by the way, yeah, it's safe to just decontaminate 10-4 with everyone in it. It's not going to ruin anyone's cake or anything. No. But, yeah. uh, it's no good. It doesn't. It's not powerful enough. They need to get a really big field. They need it right away. They plan to overload the disruptor. Then they jump and hide behind the bar, which should not protect them from the explosion. Well. <laughs> but it does. Yeah, that's right. That's everything else in this episode. It does, though. This time, the field is strong enough to make them very briefly visible to Picard and Data, who both are immediate <laughs> Both immediately figure out what it is, but yeah. Picard's got to be like, that wasn't a ghost or whatever. <laughs> no one said it was. <laughs> um, Data figures out what's happening. He has the anionic beam turned up to 11. They get shocked back to normal. Mm, with some great shock acting. Yep. You know, being an actor is hard sometimes. Sometimes oh, you is. have to lay on the ground and pretend like you're getting tickled or whatever. Well, and also, the VFX guys really undersold it with this. <laughs> The effect of getting hit by this anion beam is a few sparkles. sparkly. Yeah, a few sparkles. Kill them with sparkly, and then you roll around on the ground with each other. That did not help uh, Jordy and Rose sell it. That's true. Yeah, it was a bad, uh, Jordy bad gets sell. Them to t Yeah, Jordy gets them to take the engines offline just in time, etc. Later, Jordy and Rose have dinner in 10 forward. She's a little bummed out because for a minute she thought heaven was real, but now she don't know nothing. Matthew, what's this episode about? Yeah, I'm glad you said it like that because, like... It was not much of a rumination on matters of death in the afterlife. Like, yep. in the beginning, Ro goes, ah, shit, we died. And Jordy goes, fuck that, we're alive as hell. And it doesn't come uh, up again until the You can't see end. my dick, so I'm not dead. <laughs> it doesn't come up again until the end when Ro is sad about it for some reason. Yep. So, yeah, it's not. About, it seems like it's going to be about that. There's a lot of stuff about death, but... I, I, I fucking guess it's... Is it a things aren't always as they appear? Is it oh, like, man. Is it... Is it check and make sure the thing you think happened actually happened? Which is an extremely who, cool take. Who fucking cares? <laughs> I give it a two on the take for things aren't always as they appear. Dang, really? 
Matthew, my brother, I have to tell you that my take for this one is never give up. Oh, no. <laughs> like, Ro does a 180 on her beliefs, and she's ready to just surrender to being dead, and that would have killed everyone. Yes, if they'd both just gone, I guess we're dead, they would have just hung out there till the ship blew <laughs> right. up. But Jordy's like, can we at least, can we take, like, one day? Yeah. Can we take as many like it, days as it takes data to plan our memorial? There's a thing where he has to say to her about halfway through the episode, listen, if you're right, it doesn't matter if I waste a little time looking looking into things here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so. He's like, I guess go. my brain still works super logically after I'm dead then, because I'm yeah. thinking about this in a logical kind of way. <laughs> Other than the fact that no one can see me or hear me and I can pass through walls, everything else is exactly the same as when I was alive. So maybe you're dead and that's why you sound so dumb right now. <laughs> but I'm alive. So it's just like that. If it's a take, it's accidental at best. And it's, hey, just don't just don't quit on things. Don't don't do a 180. Like, <laughs> go ahead and take some time to think it out. Think it yeah. through logically. So we're in the same ballpark, but I liked it even less. I gave it a one. Yeah, I don't. I just I didn't give any of the episodes much on take this week yeah. for sure. Uh, by the way, we're, uh, we'll get through this. This isn't a terrible episode, but it no, does I not enjoyed, have a take. I enjoyed parts of it, but it was not about yeah. what I thought it was might be about, but it wasn't about that. Yeah, I really in my brain, I thought there was a lot more rumination on. Yeah, I thought Roe was really insistent, and maybe they talked about it, but no, yeah, it no doesn't matter. <laughs> no, now we got to get on the, we got to meet the guy. He's got the gun. We need to have the gun, so we got to get to the guy. He's got the gun. So we yep. can kill him. All right, well, uh, execution then. Yeah, so, look, the big problem is you have to eat a lot of shit to watch this episode. Yes, you do. How do they see? Yeah. How do they breathe? Uh Uh-huh. How do they not fall through the floor? Yeah. It's a little aggravating. Yes, man. (laughs) We get to say, you are in my fucking notes again. (laughs) You you are such an Alexander little fuck. Every TNG episode has something you can't think about. Usually it's yeah. Chakotay's shuttle remark and sure. you get, get angry about it for a second and then be like, all right, look, I don't want to get into it. I guess they don't. We're just ignoring all of the shuttles that have crashed and how resource strapped this ship is. Maybe Fine, they whatever. like um, did what the A's do and they tarped over all the shuttle bays and now they only got room for two shuttles. And he's like, full That's compliment. a full compliment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like wh- whatever it is, it actually doesn't matter because we know that in all all practical for all practical purposes, the writers were always going to pretend like there was a shuttle available if they needed one, right? Yeah, there will so always be a matter. shuttle. Doesn't make any difference. Sometimes it's just something like that. This one, you have to eat so much shit. Yeah. And you can hand wave little parts of it away. Like, you could say, however this phased cloak would have worked, the people in it would have to be able to sense what was going on outside. So, yeah, I guess you can see still when you're yeah. when you're phased or whatever. But it's so much because, like, the guy gets pushed out into the space and he dies. Why does he die? Because he can't breathe in space. Or well, you're too cold What was he breathing on the other ship? Well, what were you know. breathing in the ship where you can pass through normal matter? <laughs> yep. Yes. You just have to eat so much of it that it's irritating. I agree. And that's why I started my notes with the exact same notes. <laughs> <laughs> my execution starts the exact same way. Now, having said <clears> that, <throat> this is another episode that mostly works. Sure. All of the little overheard conversations about the dead crew are good. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're thinking about what's the right way to celebrate a life, like what does it mean that these people are dead and what would they want? Yeah. Mostly works. There's no big stuff going on in this episode except for are we ghosts? Sure, yeah. But the oh, that, little stuff that, that and the ticking is okay. clock of is the Enterprise going right. to blow up? Which exactly, guess what? Right. it's not going to. 
But if only the little stuff in the episode works, it's not going to score big points. I gave it a four. We are in the same area again. Again, I said I know it wouldn't be possible to make the episode otherwise, but it bugs me to no end that they can sit down when they want to and walk around and lay on the ground, etc., etc., when they're supposed to be phased and they can pass through walls and shit. I mean, even, look, even just the way it's shot. Like, there is a scene where Ro goes on the bridge to say goodbye. She goes to her own station and she puts her hand down on the panel, like, goodbye, old board station. Her we hand just, passes through panels. We've seen it we every just, time. Uh, you just showed it in sickbay. Her hand passed right through the fucking You're going to do panel. a fucking super close-up of her fingers very slightly deforming as her hand touches the panel? Like you're just going to fucking hang a lampshade on it? It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, so anyway, all those same notes. Same. <laughs> uh, will anything happen to these Romulans? Is there any wrap-up at all on that front? Nope. Okay. Yeah, who's Picard going to complain to about this? No one said anything about it. They tell him, don't go to warp, you'll blow up. We don't see the part where Jordy explains, they were purposely going to blow you up. It's not an accident. They were trying to blow you up. Yeah, presumably they're going to debrief, and this ship's only going warp too. Yep. like Enterprise um, could catch right up and take them. But they don't even, not even half a comment about what happens to them. Uh, the chase with the Romulan guy is fun. It has cool moments. I don't even mind... That it's 90 seconds of villainy that doesn't affect the episode except that they acquire a disruptor. Do you love how they run through crew quarters for people we've never seen and it turns out that everyone on the ship is living in the 80s? Yes, I liked, uh, well first, I liked Ro hiding behind the bulkhead and kicking the shit out of this guy. Yep. I love Jordy sending this dude on a rocket ship straight to fucking Hades. (laughs) Yep. I even liked the Ferris Bueller running through people's homes moments, which were uncharacteristically fun for TNG. Yeah. So if you're going to shoehorn a bad guy in for one scene, that's a good way to do it. That was for sure. a fun little bit. But mostly, it's an episode that confuses me when I think about it critically. I gave it a five. <laughs> All right. What about world building? Either the Romulans don't have fire suppression systems or they were broken because these guys are just using fire extinguishers in there. Uh, when you're phased, Troy can't pick you up on her sensors. Yeah. Uh, I guess we'll if uh, we'll see if anyone ever is phased again and if that becomes important information, but I suspect it won't. Uh, extending shields in case we hadn't seen the fancy graphics yet. Because they do extend their shields and we get to see it take a blow. Yep. Um, a subspace resonator can serve as a makeshift warp core. At least they fucking picked something with subspace in the name, huh? Mm-hmm. Maybe they haven't invented that they use artificial singularities for warp cores yet. I don't think they have. Where are the other Romulan ships? Do they talk about it? Are they like, you're not allowed to come help it because you've drifted into Federation space or something? We don't even know where this ship is. It's fucking crazy. Where are we, they? Why does the Enterprise have to Presumably they're across the neutral zone, right? The, but, so the Enterprise has to take care of them so they can't call the Romulans to come tow their ship home? They like gotta once build they them had, a new warp core? Once they had stabilized it, you'd think they could have towed them to the neutral zone with enough yeah. inertia to float across or whatever, right? You tow and them back a, and you a, say, hey, a Romulan's going to meet you at the border. and A they're gonna, B-type warbird could be waiting for them there. Yeah, they're going to give you a new warp core. Not, we're not going to build you one. What are you talking about? <sighs> yeah, as always, it does act like these are the only two ships that exist. Why does the Enterprise carry around hella old computers? Don't know. The Bajorans have special ghosts that the Universal Translator knows when not to translate. Forhas or something. Oh, yeah. Bor- Borhas, but it's spelled real weird. Wouldn't it be hilarious if she kept trying to say it, but the Universal Translator kept translating it back to ghosts, <laughs> and she got super frustrated because she knew Jordy wasn't getting it? That's a scene that could be in Lower Decks. The Bajorans <laughs> call them ghosts. I mean ghosts. Ghosts. No. <laughs> 
It's a universal I, translator. The thing. universal translator is, is translating it to ghosts, but it's not ghosts. It's, it's ghosts. ghosts. I, exactly. It doesn't matter. It, don't, it doesn't matter what we call them. Apparently, it's identical to the concept of ghosts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But this, but in real Star Trek, it always knows when to translate. Um, everybody is sick of the Bajoran death chant. Even Worf hates it, and it seems like it should be his jam. Oh, a two-hour chant about dead people? He That's right be, up his fucking alley. Yeah, he's fucking Elvis Presley taking dates to the morgue and shit. That's his jam. Like, like I'm sorry, but I believe the Bajorans light incense during this thing, too. So it really <laughs> should be right up his fucking alley. Do they, do they do it in a blue room? Could Worf get data to make the room blue? <laughs> exactly. But for some reason, he acts like he doesn't want to do it. Maybe he's trying to, like, re- uh, uh, reverse psychology. Oh, that. probably. Oh, but you know how my ideas like, are well, always that bad. Be, that would be proper, but the Bajoran death chance two hours no one would risk being unpopular that way right by doing a two hour huh but it you think i mean logically like emo- like without injecting emotion it seems like we should do the bajoran death champ but like, no one wants to do that right uh, no one's brave enough to do that that's right yeah no one's gonna show how they stand up for principles That'd be like standing up to Picard about, I don't know, racism or something like racism. Something about but cultural insensitivity, yeah, exactly. at least. At least. Worf and Data talk about human death rituals as if there is just the one set. Yeah. Uh, but then later on, he picks a New Orleans one, which is like, that's a different one. So I mean, like, we don't know that Geordi's from New Orleans. No, we don't. We don't so, know anything about where Geordi's from. I'm saying, like, they're like, oh, humans prefer a solemn ceremony. And he's like, yes, I don't think human ones are going to be right. And then he picks a New Orleans one anyway. And it's like, oh, that's not like the ones you were talking about earlier. Maybe you guys could talk about it with a little bit more detail, a little bit more nuance. Yeah. Um, Klingons. No, look, pre- he's looked at all 153 bridal dresses that exist across all <laughs> that's civilizations. It. That's all of he's them. decided none of them are appropriate for that. That's all the ones in the whole database. Uh, Klingons. They just got to play when the saints go marching in. <laughs> they do play that. <laughs> it's the second one. I've forgotten, temporarily forgotten what the first one is. It's another song that everybody knows. The Klingons had previously worked on a weird phase inverter. The Romulans tried to combine one and a cloaking device to do a phase cloak. That obviously didn't go so well for them. Um, that fucking incident on Garon 4, man. <laughs> it's really dog and row, huh? You know, the one where she did the thing. <sighs> Uh, it's not the Garushta disaster, but it reminds, but Riker's response reaction to it is similar. Maybe he knew somebody at Garon yeah. 4, like he did on the Garushta. On Garushta. Uh, Crusher Season 5 staff is back again. Mm-hmm. She had so many extra self-improvement credits after not hiring any staff for years. Also, by the way, it's not clear why anybody is injured. Yeah. Who got injured so far? We don't know. But Did someone there, twist their hurt. ankle on some Romulan rocks when they were over on the damaged ship? <laughs> it's good to know they built them out of rocks, too. I gave it a three. Um, I had it one less. Let's see what I highlighted here. Okay. Subspace resonators, imaging scanners, interface devices, muon waves. Uh, the only thing I thought was anything is advances in cloaking technology. The fact that uh, the Federation is keeping a close eye on what Klingon scientists are up to, and sure, you know, there's a little bit of something. I only gave it a two. Okay. Characterization. Well, I mean, this is the strength of the show, right? It usually is for TNG. They got the characters who seem like people sometimes. Like, there's lots of good. 
little touches. But let's start. So first of all, everyone's good at their job except Data. And he's good at his second job this week, planning the memorial service. Yeah, that's true. So the fact that he's a little too slow to figure out what's going on with these fucking chronoton fields. All right, whatever. Yep. Uh, everyone's sad, but they get on with their work. Everyone's a professional. I like all of the little conversations. Uh, Riker says he wants to say a few words at the, at the memorial service. Picard assumes it's about Jordy. He's surprised it's about Roe, but he doesn't press it. Like, he shouldn't even be the surprised because little... if he was paying attention, he'd know Riker don't care about Jordy <laughs> even a little bit. For sure, but he's checked out. Yeah. He doesn't care about personnel stuff. Nice. It's not that he's not good with kids. It's that he's not good with humans. Yep. <laughs> um, sure, Picard doesn't seem to call Starfleet Command or make any attempt to have a Romulan ship come help their colleagues <laughs> once the immediate danger's over. And sure, we get an awful lot of time with Chief Brosmer that would have been better spent with O'Brien. Yeah. Um, but everyone, no one stepped in it. Everyone gave me what I wanted characterization-wise. I gave it a 7. Okay. That's, uh, that's a pretty good score. Um, I was a little bit lower. I have it as a 5. Mainly because Ro was so disappointing. Uh, but in the beginning, she's just trying to say what is true and what we all know. Romulans are assholes and you should not <laughs> beam over there without guns. Like, for sure. Also, then you wouldn't need the whole part with the Romulan giving you a disruptor, because then you'd have the weapons that were modified by the thing. That's but true. Whatever, Star Trek writers, you did they it. Need, they need a scene where Riker tells them no guns, rather than just have them beam over without guns. <laughs> yes, that too. Also that. <laughs> it's wrong in so many ways. Anyway, she's usually a king, but I think she wanged her head during the transporter accident or something, because she's either way too practical or you way too what? religious or both. You, you know what? You're right, and I've knocked it down to a six. Yeah, because she d- all, does not see the obvious. One, that Riker is flirting with her from beyond the grave, oh, yeah. as you would expect. <laughs> you know, it's so weird that that plot ends up with Crusher fucking a spirit candle, because Riker would definitely fuck a spirit candle. He just didn't have the right ancestry, and also yep. because of his shitty dad, he doesn't really know anything about his ancestry. <laughs> I know nothing about him. He thinks he's from Alaska. No one's from Alaska. Like, Wake uh, up! It's gonna it's gonna turn out in a confusing way that Beverly Crusher came from a line of women who all none of whom changed their name when they got married, but then nope. she did. Yeah, she was the first, and she was a big yeah. disappointment to everybody. But she still got to fuck that candle. Um, That's true. Candle didn't care. Uh, let's see, uh, she seems to think Riker's gonna roast her up there or something, she's so worried about <laughs> what he's gonna say, even though it's clearly like he was gonna just talk about the time they banged and well, how Listen, they have for sure banged, and does she think he's he's gonna say, like, ah, oh, shit, he's gonna tell him one titty was bigger than the other one? <laughs> but it's like, that's most people, like, if, statistically, like, if you look it up. That's so normal. I mean, it's but even I'm like there's gonna... one that's bigger than the other one, I forgot which one. I'm not even like... gonna be there to defend myself. You can bing it, though, you can bing, which boob is usually bigger, it'll tell you. Or it'll say it wants to change the conversation. Um, she's all bummed that ghosts are still fake or something. I don't know. But except for pummeling that Romulan over and over again, it was not her best work. No, but she really showed that guy. Like, I don't dude. know what... We don't know what kind of Romulan that guy was. This was a <laughs> ship trying out a secret cloaking device. That dude was probably just an engineer or something, Yeah, right? he may not have been the, the big uh, kung fu champion over there. Um, but the move where she disappears through the door, uh-huh. takes one step to the right, and then and immediately then high kicks the jackass kicks the when he comes through. Him. It's a very good move, and it's something that would definitely work in real life. Like, yeah. That dude has followed her blind through five walls by that point. Yeah, number six, he does not expect anything uh-huh. different. He gets a fucking boot. He gets one of those ugly star trek boots right in the fucking chops and uh you know she comes after him a few other times she's doing pretty good 
considering yep. Romulans, I, I think, are supposed to be pretty strong. Um, yeah, if they're like Vulcans, they're supposed to be pretty strong. Yeah. Also, he's a lot taller than her. Uh, Data shows off his mega strength. <laughs> yes. Wants... It's very rare that they have him step in where Worf and Riker, you know, the two strong guys, have yeah, both yeah. failed. Have Especially failed working together because they just showed them lifting a heavy object. I was together. gonna say they make a big point of showing how when Riker's added to the team, that shit moves. Yeah. They move that thing. But yeah, they need data for that door. Um He wants to plan the memorial service because Jordy was his friend. He's pretty worked up about it as always. Um You suppose Data would have been the new chief engineer? Because he basically takes over down there. But, like, he, they might have fished Argyle off of whatever fucking Miranda he's stuck on these days. Yeah, or Leland Lynch or something. But the thing is, he already outranks the chief engineer on the ship. That's not a promotion for him. It's true. And he is weirdly ambitious. Yeah. He is worried about whether he gets enough command. So, Like, he'd have to have a talk with Picard about how he's suddenly off the command track. Yeah. Somebody beef it out there? <laughs> Somebody is very mad about somebody making, I think, just making a left turn without signaling. Okay. But uh, it seemed like everybody lived. Okay, good. Um, Jordy is on it in this one. I love a good Jordy episode. I have no notes for Jordy. He was great. No, he fucking nailed it. And you knew he was into it as soon as he just fucking walked right through the wall out there. Yep. He was like, I'm feeling it. I'm on it in this episode. Ain't no one going to turn me down on a date and no one's going to shoot me. I got it's this like, one. Look, they made the decision and I like this decision. Not to show us Jordy going through the, all of the same discovery steps yep. that Rode. She meets Jordy, and he's presumably figured it all out already. Yeah. Like she he's does. already done the thing where he figured out that Noah can see or hear him, and he can move through walls and stuff. And mm-hmm. he, and he is internalized. He doesn't know what's happening yet, but he's he's there. And um, a worse show would have showed us both of them figuring it out. Yep. Agreed. But when she rolls up, he knows what's going on. They don't have to talk about it. They do the little hand thing because there's some new information there that they can see and touch each other, right? Yes, and that's they it. didn't know there was anyone else who was going through yep. the thing they were going through. Uh, Riker is exactly himself in this yes. episode. One, he does not care about Geordi LaForge at all. No. This has been previously established. He doesn't care. He's not bummed out. He probably, we didn't see it, but uh, he probably already handed Picard a pad with a list of chief engineer temporary chief yep. engineer candidates and maybe he's already got some candidates picked out from around the fleet yep he's like here we got this one need you know this is my main job on the ship is personnel stuff here you go he's like look this is probably a bad decision but i think in temporary capacity maybe maybe barkley that's right yeah i know he's i did it for quest the rest to be of the engineers the don't seem smart i don't like <laughs> i know that he's a hassle and i i don't like it any more than you do frankly but i think for now I think if you look at name number four on the list, you'll be pretty excited. Number four is Wesley Crusher. Yeah. <laughs> He's just pulling out all the old favorites. So that's number one. Two. I heard about this kid, Nog. The only problem is he can't read, but... <laughs> but here his dad's a good engineer. Yeah. Uh, two. He nailed Roe that time they couldn't remember nothing, and he's all bent out of and shape a, about also it. Also a bunch of times since. And definitely a bunch of times since, and he's all bent out of shape about her, and that's what he's worried about. It doesn't make him like her anymore, by the way. No, he's still mad at her a lot. Uh, Worf gives Data the inspiration for his New Orleans-style funeral when he says that that should be celebrated or whatever. Um, Picard admires that Geordi always bent over backwards to please his boss, even if it meant he never got laid even one time. Yes. Uh, so a five for me. 
Um, what about quick ones? This dude gave us his name, Miroc. Yes. It is so rare for a rando to introduce himself like that. It is. I and thought he was going to be in the episode a lot more. It's ultimately not important. He it would have been cool if it. someone told us that the other Romulan was named Parham. Yeah, like, I know that from the Star Trek card, but, like, ain't no yeah. one say that shit. Uh, so if they had said 73 and the Romulan had, instead of saying it too loud because of her uh, <laughs> VI, if she just whispered, <laughs> Parham. <laughs> would have been great. Uh, is O'Brien on vacation or something? <laughs> yeah. This lady is a disaster. I As soon as I saw her, I knew she was going to do a bad mistake. Again, because she abuses prescription drugs. I know it morally. I don't know why, <laughs> but I looked at her and I knew it. She fucked it big time, man. And Dana lets her help out the rest of the episode. Chief Percocet, I mean, Chief Brosmer. <laughs> Sorry, you know that's, Data's, that's Data's fault. Well, now I'm mad that I knew knew a nickname. That's right. I, I, he's always doing this to me. Uh, I saw that first body pass-through effect when they go through a wall or whatever, and I thought, still looks better than Free Jack. <laughs> you for sure? Like, what are you going to do? Same year, looks better. Free Jack really fucked it in Nine Deuce. Uh, that Romulan just sitting in the foreground doing nothing doesn't give himself away to Jordy and Roe. But what were we at home supposed to think he was doing? Taking I mean, a fiver? He- he is fucking dead center, and it's such a it's so weird framing that I can't believe anyone didn't look at that guy and go. Is he Uh-oh. just? Did he just? He's on his lunch, and he's yeah. like he finished eating, but he's not ready to go back to work yet. Like, what is happening? Of course, he's also phased. Of course, he's a bad guy who's also been phased. I mean, look, not surprising. Jordy and Roe were the only two beaming back with that piece of equipment when the thing went wrong, right? So, like, yeah. you kind of get why their assumption is that they're the only ones this happened to. Sure. But yeah, they're not paying any attention. They are they've become so comfortable with the idea that no one can see and hear them that it's weird that Jordy's not naked. <laughs> like, he just shows up way, once he's naked. If Roe like, had rolled up in engineering, ten Probably years later, Jordy would have just been walking around naked. That's right. Yeah. But I just mean like what are we at home supposed to think? Oh yeah. Like I was not surprised at all because what else would he be doing there? No, it it's super telegraphed. This is thirteen inch black and white TV telegraphed. That's right. Uh, one of the ladies in the corridors they ran through was wearing one of those non-absorbent shiny towels. One yes. of those ones that leaves you exactly as wet as you were when you put the towel on. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I like to imagine our friend doing push-ups always brags about improving himself the old-fashioned way. Hard uh-huh. work. And that he puts his credits away for a rainy day. Uh-huh. Jordy fucking lined that guy up like he was Gwyneth Paltrow out there, and he sent him to fucking Mars, buddy. He fucking hit this dude hard. I don't care if that guy hadn't been a ghost, he would have hit that bulkhead so hard he would have been down anyway. Jordy now, destroyed that guy. I think we've talked about this, and under the ill-fitting uniforms, my assumption is that LeVar Burton is the person in the best shape on the cast. He seems like it, and maybe that's why he we, seems like he's still the one in the best shape. We see him with his shirt off. Do we see him with his shirt off in Mind's Eye, or do we see yes. it in Generations? Probably both. I don't anyway, know. <laughs> at some point, we see him with his shirt off. And while it's not quite Dr. Franklin. No, 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 no. He's not Stims. It's, it's still like, that guy takes care of himself. Yeah, and also he lived a lot longer than Stims, so, you know. That is true. That's what counts. Uh, But yeah, man, he fucking... Don't run into that guy on the slopes, that's all I'm saying. No, he's not tall. He's not the tallest member of that cast, for sure. 
but he's got a low center of gravity and he knows how to deliver a hit. Mr. McDowell here is allowed to watch the bridge so everyone else can go to a party? <laughs> With the Romulans just sitting there? Uh-huh. Fuck that noise. What is everyone they, doing? They have no this reason guy. to believe that Tomalak isn't going to fucking... Uh, Snore out of nowhere with three right. birds with three Romulan uh-huh. uh, warbirds or whatever. This time he brought a lot of them. Yeah, in fucking... case the Klingons are hanging around. I don't know McDowell. Who is he? Yeah, I don't know who he is. They didn't call Diedrich Bader. They didn't no. call the redhead. No, that guy's. I fired. mean, the Hathaway redhead for sure has got transferred to whatever whatever that bad starbase is in. Uh... Yeah, starbase eighty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's gone. That's it for that guy. But anyone, I don't know anyone we've heard of. You can even get. Fucking Trick McBridge out there. I don't fucking care. Just somebody that I know. Oh, man, if fucking Trick McBridge popped up on there and we're like, she's been on the ship this whole time? She was already real life famous. This is weird. What the fuck? She been on the night shift? (laughs) Yeah. Is she like Data's second in command on the night shift by now? And no one's talked about Trick McBridge in fucking years. Uh, That was it for me. This is Lieutenant B.G. Robinson you're talking about, right? Yeah, 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 sure. Sure. That it? Um, That's your quickies? That's it. Yeah. All right. What about you? Number one, why is Roe on this away team? So she can grumble about Romulans. Same reason Worf's there. Hey, we're rolling up on a Romulan ship. They are in badly, they're badly <laughs> in need of repairs. Their ship is going to explode. Full engineering we, team, right? We should send a, <laughs> no, how about, we got to take Worf because the Romulan, no one, the Romulans are not trustworthy, and um, Worf definitely is very level-headed about Romulans, and he's going to yeah. be just fine over there. Yeah. Um, of course, I'm going. Uh, me, Commander Riker. Yep. Uh, who else did I say was on that away team? Was Data on it? No. No. No, Jordy. Jordy. Well, okay, we'll take one engineer, and yeah, it'll we'll be the our, chief As engineer. always, we'll take our chief engineer, who we can definitely afford to lose. Oh, we should... There's six transporter pads, but it's too crowded when six people go. We should take a fourth person. Rolaren, ship's pilot. Yep. <laughs> ship's pilot and ne'er do well. Not Dr. Crusher to deal with injuries. Not a not second a, engineer. Nope. Not I guess Riker read the script, huh? Yeah, exactly correct. Yep. <clears throat> um, now, I wrote uh when they disappeared we will eventually learn what happened to Jordy and Roe in like a minute probably it was actually they kind of held off on it frankly longer than i thought they went through some stuff about how they were dead for sure but at this moment here it's still possible to think that Brosmer didn't know about one of O'Brien's special fixer settings on the transporter <laughs> and just fucking accidentally wiped them she normally yeah, works in transporter room 6 that's but that's right the chief's kayaking today. Uh, She's on she, duty. Without knowing it, she entered transporter code potato. And uh-huh. that was fucking it. And that was it. And that's why Jordy and Roe are gone. Yeah. Sure. Matt, why do you think uh, Soon, and we know he wasn't a software guy, but this is a hardware question. Why do you mm. think he built data so strong? Especially after lore. Uh, to fight lore is the only thing I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> to fight lore in case lore ever got put back together. Yeah, he thought to himself, oh man, if that guy it's ever like, gets put back together, we're in trouble. I better build I can't a make second him strong, strong robot. Lore. Also, the B4 is out there somewhere. 
That's right. That Buried could somewhere. I think that could be a problem at any point. So, so I, bet, I, I guess need a, a strong robot to regulate on these other strong robots. I guess we can't make him less strong, but like, I, even I think he's probably too strong. He worked himself into a real fucking tizzy. He had plans to build like fifteen super strong androids based on this this reasoning alone. <laughs> But what if uh, Data's got some real problems, though? I already know from the initial testing. I'm definitely going to need another robot. <laughs> well, he built Data very strong, and there's no reason for it. I mean, other species possess the mega strength, so maybe yes, that's Yes, they are possessed thinking. of it. I understand. Yeah. Um, Did he grab a look at Crusher's appointment log? No. Now, when I saw how clear it was, I decided I had to pause and look at it. And it's full of Easter egg names. Brandon Braga's name is on there, etc. But her appointments are for follow-up sessions. Okay. Annual career counseling sessions. Uh Uh-oh. Is that with her staff? Personal counseling sessions. Oh, no. And uh, she has one follow-up session on child psychology, which is in gray, in a way that made me think that that section got bumped by this Romulan emergency. That was what her current uh, meeting was, but she was instead sitting there filling out death forms. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why she wanted to wait on it. So why'd she do in counseling sessions? It's a lot of counseling sessions. I yeah. guess it's a, probably a reused graphic is my it's the only thing I can mm. think of. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe. Um I kind of feel like they uh no, I already said that. Uh so data. At one point, it says Jordy was the his first friend. Yeah, Data was already a lieutenant commander <laughs> when he met Jordy. He had so, a hard time, man. I guess that this means everyone else in Starfleet treated him like a walking toaster for fifteen years or Which whatever. He realized and internalized. Yes, because he definitely Honestly, noticed the difference. He's starting to think about that. Yep, he noticed the difference. He ran into one person who treated him like a person, and he went, "Oh, this is different." Yeah, it's kind of a bummer, huh? To think yeah, that he had the a data time. was just getting shit on for... I forget how... They found him, what, 27 years ago? Like, up so fucking long ago, man. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Jordy should have tried spelling his name in the wall, huh? <laughs> or just like a big G, like so the data could say G for Jordy. <laughs> I hope he looked at data's readouts and saw that wouldn't be a- applicable for some reason. Because you're right, yeah. that would be a hella good way to do it. It's just instead of just passing out. back and forth through I'm there, not, if he's just Jordy, like, I'm not Jordy on the wall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or just written data, you know, like you I don't know. Um, I watched. Nobody walking through the halls thought it was weird at all. The data was walking around with a worried look on his face, holding an open tricorder and a big bug zapper. <laughs> You know who saw it, though, man. Oh, well, we know Randy saw it. Randy for sure walked right past him. I don't even want to know. I don't even want to know. Please don't fucking tell me. If I don't get a ticket about it, I don't need to know. This is one of those things where if it kills me, as long as I don't know about it, I'm fine. Don't even care. Don't want to know. And then for Ryan, um, (laughs) Jordy and Roe were phased for two days. Okay. Is there a phased poop somewhere Mm. on the ship? (laughs) <laughs> that then came be, back can't be flushed once data did his thing and really cranked up the fucking whatever amnion what did they, what did they use An- anion anion pulses or whatever and then the fucking poo just came back but if the poop didn't go through anything yeah, yeah, yeah. would it make a chronotot field in other mm. words my question is is it just sitting there 
phased. No one ever re- no one ever brought it back to reality. But it is going to suddenly appear during the events of the Pegasus. <laughs> like, is Beverly gonna have Picard tear the yeah. ship apart? Yeah, because Roe pooped her in her place. office toilet a year ago and forgot, <laughs> and it suddenly has reappeared, and she's gonna be like. There is a year-old poop, and I tested the DNA, and it's not Alyssa's. There's a year-old poop in my office. I did it wasn't there bef- this morning. I did accuse her before I tested it, and now, you know, that seems like maybe I should have held off. I just hope I just hope that she that uh, Ro didn't bend one anywhere near Crusher's stuff, because it's yeah. going to be trouble. I mean, it's going to be trouble for whoever. It's going to be trouble for Randy, in, no matter what. Go, what the fuck? And maybe Jordy left other fluids of other kinds. It would be like, to make matters worse, like we've got all this Pegasus stuff going on, but to make matters worse, we've got unexplained fecal material showing up on the ship. Also, Roe doesn't know Jordy, and she didn't She didn't know that he was also phased. But, like... I mean, she knows him. If she knew him, knew him, yeah. then we have to assume that she checked, like, five women's locker rooms before she found him in engineering. She'd be like, this dude is invisible. And where's Christy Henshaw's quarters? Computer, show me Christy Henshaw's quarters. Yes. She's got to go check out the quarters of some of the ladies that have turned him down. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. She's going to be like, do you have any shuttles left in the direction of wherever Leah Brahms works now? Uh, If she really knew him, she's already keeping a regular eye on his hollow programs to make sure she doesn't show up in one. Um, that's the end of my quick hitters. Awesome. I gave best actor to Jordy and worst actor to Parham. Okay. He was got fine until he started talking. Yeah, that really was his downfall. Uh, no, I we're this doing one... good. It's almost 11 o'clock over here. We're doing yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I gave this one 13, you gave it 15, so we're pretty close on that. That 28's not a great score, but uh, plenty of episodes worse than 28 have won, so. Yep, uh, yeah. We'll see what happens on this DS9 episode we watch. Yeah, 20, it's a lot of room to maneuver. Let's see what happens as we discuss A Time to Stand. We pick up. Uh, some months, three months maybe, after the events of last week, and shit is bad. The pre came in like a hurricane, and war is definitely hell. Yep. The sad remnants of that big task force Defiant was with limp away from a, a fight that went ugly. And um, everyone's also real worried about the 7th Fleet and how their fight is going. And uh, Garrick and the Doctor banter a bit, and I guess Garrick's being treated treated for a head wound. Uh, Garrick taunts Bashir about being an augment, though they don't use that term. And Bashir says they've got a 32% chance of surviving the war, based on how it's going. Uh, Worf and Dax have a reunion. Bashir comes in and says they've all they've been reassigned to Starbase 375, but also the 7th Fleet uh, got their asses whooped. So this whole long teaser was about how fucked the Federation is, credits. I'm going to do A plot, B plot, because yeah. this, this is definitely a good use for that. A plot. 
Cisco's riding a desk now, maybe? I don't know. Admiral Ross, in his first appearance, comes in and says, Cisco, you're no longer captaining the Defiant. So Admiral Ross wasn't the guy that they talked to on the hollow projector. I did not look nope. it up. No, nah, okay. that was Admiral guy who was in Babylon five. Uh, I don't remember cool. what his name was. Um, anyway, you're not captaining the defiant anymore. Uh, you'll find out why. Um, Dax says, Hey Ben, it's time to call your old dad back in new Orleans. Uh, Cisco has been avoiding calling him cause he doesn't want to tell him that he left, uh, Jack Cisco on Tarok Nor. Yeah. He hasn't talked to him for three months because of this, apparently. During the big war, he has not called his dad. But anyway, he calls him and they have a conversation. And this is where, like you said earlier, his sweet sweet old dad, Admiral Cartwright, wants to know why they gotta do a war when there's so many damn planets out there or whatever. Um, Admiral Ross lays out the new mission. They gotta hit what they think is a big Ketracel White facility in Cardassian space. But to get there, they can't take the Defiant. They'll be taking that Jem'Hadar ship that Cisco stole last year on that planet. Yeah, in the episode, the ship. Yeah. So we get, you know, a two-week time jump. You yes. know, after, after the three-month time jump. After the three-month time jump, yeah, for sure. As the crew has been getting to know the vessel. And uh, everyone's ready for this big caper. Uh, Garrick's going to come along again, thank God. Cisco can't wear the headset anymore because it gives him headaches. Yeah, it's like playing Sea of Thieves. It's really bad for him. He gets hella motion sick. Costs him $2 every time he wants to wear it, basically. Uh Uh-huh. So, Garrick volunteers to wear it. But, uh uh-oh. On the way, they run into Cisco's old friend, Charlie Reynolds, on the USS Centaur. You know Charlie Reynolds. They're friends. I do. And you know the Centaur. It's one of those kit bashes. It is, although I've seen it so many times in Star Trek Online that it doesn't look weird to me anymore. Like, nope. when it once shows it, up in this, I'm like, that's ah, the Centaur class. Yeah, once it got into Online, then it didn't It didn't have the same... Um, people really don't like the kit bashes, so I think it was pretty unpopular. They don't, but this is not the one that's got fucking magic markers for engines or whatever. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> honestly, they get worse than this. The one yeah. with the Voyager saucer, but the Maki Raider body. The ugliest, ugliest one. Um... They can't reveal who they are, I guess, and they don't want to fight this guy. They try to run, but that doesn't work, so they got they got to have a a little fight with this ship. And after a few passes, more Jem'Hadar ships show up and chase the Centaur away. Then they get to the storage facility in the Jem'Hadar ship. They observe some protocol. They get in line for some Ketracel White. I guess they're going to beam down a bunch of empties, plus one bomb. Mm-hmm. and beam up full canisters and they don't think anyone's going to be able to detect that they're beaming down a lot of empties plus one bomb well uh to be sure they do set a pretty short timer on that bomb so that even if someone checks it on it pretty quick they're gonna be like huh what and then yeah and then explosions um they make the exchange but whoops the base raises the force field and they can't get away from the bomb explosion that's about to happen I don't know, they must have tripped something, or the bomb was detected, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why they can't put their own shields up. No one explains why they can't. Yeah. Did they get damaged in the fight? Maybe. Fuck, yeah. who knows. Um, they're gonna have to fly out of there just as the field comes down after the explosion, and we go through this whole thing where they come up with this plan, but that don't matter, because the thing goes off early. And they just make it out anyway. And they just fly away and try to escape. I, I guess that happens to show how damaged the ship is because they didn't get to do their cool plan. So, like, um, they can't go to warp, so they're not going to be returning to Federation space anytime soon. It's going to 
It would take him 17 years to be continued. B-plot. Uh, Ducat gives a log. And he says things are hella good for the Dominion. Um, Wayun's walking around talking about how great everything is on DS9. Even the Bajorans are coming back to the station. Uh, Kira goes straight to Wayun to negotiate about stuff, which pisses off Ducat and Damar. She wants Odo and his team back in charge of security. She doesn't get what she wants, and Wayun tells her to tell Odo that he loves and misses him very much. <laughs> and then he sends Damar out of the room like an unruly child. So, you know, there's still a lot of stuff going on between the uh, Cardassians and the Dominion. Yeah, three months hasn't changed that, huh? No. Turns out that minefield is still up, so reinforcements haven't come yet. Wayun isn't dumb. He knows to really beat the Federation. They'll need not just reinforcements, but more Ketracel White. Uh... At the bar, Quark uh, strikes out with the Jem'Hadar. Tries to get him to buy something. Um, Kira and Odo strategize. Quark points out to them that this occupation is super peaceful. Nobody likes to hear this, but they can't dispute it. Uh, Jake tries to interview Wayun for the Federation News Service, and Wayun refuses because Jake uh, is biased against yes. the Dominion. So that's just to show us what Jake is up to. Uh, Ducat has a meeting with Kira, who, as always, he is trying to get some digits from. Yeah. He tells Kira, I think with some truth, that he's paid a high price to get Cardassia back on its feet again, but, like, he had to do it. And he does basically straight up tell her he's gonna get her in bed eventually. Yeah, he does. She does not like this. Kira goes to complain to Odo, and she's disappointed that Odo hasn't used his uh, status as a god to help out yet. So I guess he's shamed into going to Wayun and demanding his security force be reinstated, which is immediately granted. Uh, and that also grates on Ducat and Damar. Wayun asks to put Odo on the ruling council of Teroknor with uh, himself and Ducat. And uh, Kira thinks it's going to validate the occupation, but Odo wants to give it a try. This time, he swears he won't execute Hella Bajorans for no reason. <laughs> unless Ducat asks nicely. Yeah, she's um, she's right to be concerned, for sure. <laughs> she's seen Odo in this spot before. She can't say to him, like, but you? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I know, theoretically, someone on the ruling council um, would be great, but uh... do you remember when we lived as those Bajorans? Yeah, we all found out all the shit you did, and then <laughs> I was really nice, and I said you could hard, you couldn't be harder. No one could be harder on you than you are on yourself about all the murders. Anyway, man, that's the episode. What the fuck was this about? Yeah. Um. So. Uh, realistically, right? This is oops all plot. <clears throat> yep. I and this is like... this is the one this week that I spent the most time cooking a take for. So DS9 kind of does this a lot where like we gotta jam a whole lot of plot in here. Yeah. There ain't gonna be any takes. And this is the season six opener, and like all season openers, it's a little bit of a reset. So they they gotta do a lot of. We didn't actually quite like the way that at the end of the last episode, when it looked like Defiant was forming up with that big fleet, it meant that. Some people thought that meant they were going to rush right back and retake Deep Space Nine with that huge fleet. Yeah. So we got to reset it. Like, that fleet's fucked up. Federation's losing the war, etc. Right? Right. So here's my cooked take. Okay. 
when the big things are out of your control, focus on the little things. Make your plays there. Okay. Uh, this mainly comes from the Deep Space Nine plot, right? Where the big win, the big win that uh, Kira and Odo get is they get their Bajoran security force reestablished on the promenade. Right. It's a little thing, but that's the only consolation they get this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not much. <laughs> and I, I give that take a three. Okay. What about you? Yeah, I also struggled coming up with something. Uh, I have there's more to war than passion and violence. And that also comes from the DS9 side, the Terok Nor side. All calm and conversational. Um, the fact that the Defiant plot seems to be about getting over all of your feelings of uh, depression or hopelessness or fear and just continuing the mission. Um, which is an observation, but it is not like a hot take or yeah. anything. So just a three for me as well. Uh, execution, though. Well, we made it. Welcome to season six and seven. Uh, war is hell. Evil is everywhere. There are heroes on both sides. <laughs> I mean, yeah. seriously, like that is the next two years of DS9. So fucking enjoy that. Uh, the effective parts are actually pretty numerous, I think. They basically just pull directly from World War II for plot. And so it's kind of realistically dark, where one side's just been going on a rampage for three months. And things are hella bad, but there's also lots more war to go. Um, the extended look at the stuff on Tirok Noor and all the shit going on between Dukat, Wayun, Kira, Odo, Damar, etc. is much more enemy point of view than you usually get in Star Trek. Yep. And since most of the best actors are in that plot line, it basically works. Yes. You know, plus Jake. Yeah. He's also there. <laughs> I, well, 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 I have lots to say, so yeah. If I were watching this, like, the first time in real time, which I did, but I have no, I don't remember what I was thinking, but I think I'd leave this episode, um, think, like, thinking much more deeply about that side of the the show. Yes. The Tarok North side. Well, they don't give us anything about the stakes of Cisco's little mission. Yeah, the caper on the Defiant side is, like, um, it's fun. There's going to be Garrick and stuff, but it's much more, uh, you know, go to Nav 1 and blast some... <laughs> Blast some crants, and then you go to Nav 2 to protect some sports, and you go to Nav 3 to destroy a cruiser, and you head home via Nav 1. Yeah, that's basically it. As much as I felt that this felt pretty detached from Star Trek, like, this didn't feel much like Star Trek. It's very, um... I don't know, it's a big dark war plot. Yeah. I kind of couldn't complain about the results, and Star Trek does suck, so... What are you holding on to here? Yeah, like maybe they keep taking lumps in premise and then collecting points in execution, for all I know. I gave it a seven. Well, I mean, that's good. Um, I have it... I mean, I have it one less, but let's talk. Um, generally, this is not bad. Yeah. I think it's a little cheap that Dukat's menace is so sexual. <laughs> I understand that that is part of what we already know about him, that yeah. he... First of all, that he's interested in Kira. Second of all, that he definitely had a relationship of dubious consent with yep. a Bajoran slave previously. Yep, probably many because she is uh, when she's in the body of another person, 
in that episode I just talked about, she gets brought in with a bunch of ladies to. Yep, that's right. We have seen that before. Audition. That was Dax, though. But oh, yes. that was Dax. Okay, whatever. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't think Kira was along for the ride. I think she just read Odo's report. She just showed up in the end to say, uh-huh. "Odo, you're." Uh, boy, she wanted to know if she go get them, There were going to be any more of these like that out there. Yeah. Um. So it is like it's part of what we know about him, but. It is such a cheap way to ratchet it up, to make the menace very personally directed towards Kira. Yeah. Uh, you didn't talk about this, but they did a big change to Bashir's personality <laughs> this week. Yeah. And um, I think that it's unmotivated and unnecessary. And even worse, if they wanted to do this, doing it this way jumps through and past a bunch of stuff that could have been interesting. Yeah. Like, we've never seen an episode where suddenly it's public that people know that he's been augmented and people care about it and we didn't see him come to a decision that he wasn't going to bother hiding it anymore and that it mm-hmm. is who he is right all we've seen is like two dart jokes in the second half of season five yeah and otherwise no mention of it so to open this week with him doing fucking data style mental yeah. calculations and he's data or spock now and he's very grim about it with Garrick and whatever. And it's and then he's just like, well, it's public knowledge now, so why should I? I'm not hiding it anymore. And it's just like, well, we didn't see any of that character work that would have led to that. Yeah. Sure. So I don't need that. But I like a lot of it. The little raid on the Ketracell facility is a kind of limited slice of the war plot that I want to see. Okay. They don't ratchet the stakes up too high in this episode right cisco no, doesn't they're not destroy already the like we have centaur. to save the federation uh-huh yeah. yeah it doesn't turn out to be a trap and the dominion was one step ahead of them all the way right um they accomplish the mission with some consequences right uh of course it doesn't make a ton of sense that cisco would be the guy given this raid and that he'd get to take his bridge crew and nog along <laughs> for it what do you mean I think Starfleet recognizes Nog's value. He's the one who scared in the back. Yeah. You got to have a guy like that. Um, And the stuff on Deep Space Nine mostly works, too. Lots of uh, Wayun Dukat tension. Uh, the weird feeling that everyone has that the occupation should be worse than this. And what does that mean? Yeah. Like, what does it mean that the Dominion is actually fairly well behaved? Right. And the, all of the menaces, the the individual Cardassians who are after revenge, but also who knows if they're even in control. Yep. And, um, you know, I guess this is the part where I'll say this is part one of a six part arc. Yeah. They don't fuck around on DS nine starting. Yeah. Now there's this a is lot. Where, this is their big experiment with serialization. Yeah. They're going to do that hard. And even, <clears throat> you know, they'll take breaks and do one off. Yeah. Uh, filler episodes, but they'll always get back to the, the beats the the same beats and so we'll see how they do with these like with middle episodes in the arc but mm-hmm. this one felt self-contained it felt like an episode to itself obviously it we it leaves you with the defiant crew stranded on that bug but like you know it felt like a full episode so generally i liked i liked this one i gave it a six in terms of execution okay uh world building there's some right the big world building is the the status of the war and the right. federation is is currently losing it there's some other stuff um we get a little one-off from martok that suggests that klingon doctors don't have a very good reputation 
Yeah. Uh, we heard some of that in ethics, but it was about specific kinds of injuries, right? There's no reason to think that someone's injured arm or side would be treated bad by Klingon doctors, but apparently Martok would rather see Bashir. Sure. Maybe just because they know each other. Did you know they had that time in the camp yeah. together? He should have said that. <laughs> he should have. He should have said, like, I know him. Maybe For the people at home, I know him. He knows the Federation is pretty racist about Klingon. That's right. Well, he does seem like he wants to fit in with the feds, for sure. He does. I think he realizes it's actually kind of a better fit for him. Yeah. Um, Jem'Hadar ships are different from Starfleet ships in ways that speak to their command philosophy and their hierarchy, right? We've seen that before, but it's really reinforced this week. Yeah, we specifically saw it in the ship when they had to figure out what was going on inside of that fucking thing. Uh, You know, Dominion protocols. We see the little exchange going on, etc., Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know, but it does, you know, it kind of mirrors the exchange the Vorta are always doing with the Cutter White in some ways. Mm-hmm. And then we get Dukat's sort of aspirations for Cardassia too. You know, I had it as a three, but it's a four. Okay. I had a little bit higher. Uh, the seventh fleet gets crushed. Whatever that task force defiant was with got crushed. Three months of beatdowns again, World War II style. Uh, even the changeling apostate gets the royal treatment from the Vorta and the Jem'Hadar. Mm-hmm. Uh, the captured Jem'Hadar ship continuity, more stuff about how they work, building on last year's episode. The VR headset gives Cisco headaches, and that sounds hella believable. I mean, I believed it 100%. Uh, Garrick thinks Cardi's may handle it better because he once saw Ducat wearing one. Although it was totally different, but nobody mentions it. It was a different model entirely. Seems like maybe it had been modified to work with Cardi. I don't know. Yeah. How Wayun and Dukat are running the station, their ruling council, everyone's observations about how peaceful it is, realistic political goals instead of mustache-twirling evil. Uh, Bashir has data or Spock powers now. Ketracel white storage facilities and protocols. The Centaur. Uh, not as big as last week, but they do a lot to reset the plot after a summer break. I gave it a five. All right. What about characterization? Uh, Bashir is hiding his fears behind math. Hmm. Maybe. Worf can't stop thinking about the wedding, and he's driving Martok crazy. <laughs> yes. Then he's not in the episode anymore. Yeah, then he's out. Uh, I guess Cisco's morale is low, but he wants to keep fighting on the front lines, but whoops, he gets reassigned. Oh, and he hasn't called his dad in months because he's afraid to tell him about Jaco. Yeah. Uh, O'Brien has one of his usual bridge outbursts. This time it wasn't about his wife. That's nice. Um, Ducat can't hide his disgust with the Dominion even in his official logs. He's truthful with Kira when he explains his motivations in joining the Dominion, except for the part he leaves out about his own personal power and glory. Also, he's made it his personal mission to get some from her. Wayun really does. Uh, oh, let me check the hot lingo. Simp for Odo. <laughs> it's a nice small touch acting during his conversation with Jake when he stops and says, "Tell me you're not that naive." When yes. Jake says that very stupid thing about freedom of the press. Quark is pragmatic in all situations. Uh, Grandpa Cisco makes some nice idealistic points about how big space is. Jake is a dum-dum who should have been sent to work in Grandpa's restaurant at the end of Season 5 and written out of the show. I mean, we have enough characters anyway. Yeah. 
Nog was pretty jittery in this one. Maybe he's still scared from the horror of Empok Nor. I give it a five. I also have it as a five. So, I'm not liking this season six, Bashir. Okay. I don't think it makes a lot of sense that he can, like, do a bunch of crazy math in his head and come up with a 32% chance of surviving the war. Because there's yeah. a lot of stuff in that calculation that's not just math. Uh, yeah, well, they're not hard numbers, are they? Yeah. There's it's all, all kinds not of hard numbers. Assumptions and models and predictions. But even worse is the scene where he yells at Cisco about how they can't keep taking losses like this. It's <laughs> yeah. very aggressive and it's totally misplaced. Yeah. Uh, Garrick's along for the ride this week and you like to see him here, but it seems like we should be worried when Cisco turns that viewer over to him. Like, yeah. can you trust Garrick? But then it's just not in there this week. No, he's the guy that Worf had to go beat up in that corridor that one time because he was doing sneaky shit. I mean, he's also the guy who a couple of weeks ago said, I don't, I think it's weird how, yeah. how much everybody is starting to trust me. And then he murdered a guy. <laughs> then he went on a murder rampage. Yeah. And everyone's like, don't worry about it, man. That wasn't that you. Wasn't we him. know that. We know. That's not the Tom I know. Um, Cisco seems so defeated when he's talking to his dad. Like, he really feels the powerlessness of the situation when he tells him, it's war, I go where I'm sent. And that made a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Uh, and I liked Kira and Odo on Deep Space Nine even though clearly there have been some advances in their relationship as well. Like, the very last time we saw them... They were barely even able to look at each other. They were very uncomfortable. And now she's doing a lot of scenes where she's like, you're the only... I'm only comfortable when I'm with you now. Yeah, yeah it's close like, companions it. now. The circumstances have definitely changed a lot in the And they were old months. friends. And they were so old they, friends, but like... Like you said, they must have worked through whatever that was. They have really successfully put the romantic stuff on the back burner. Yeah. And of course, the Ducat, Wayun, Damar cluster continues to be good. Yeah, Damar still so far is kind of a one-dimensional character, so we'll see how that develops. Yeah, um, I thought the one weakness on that side of the story was Jake, and maybe we'll address his naivety in the next few episodes. But after three months of occupation, it seemed out of place. I mean, like, like I said, they should have written him out of the show. We got 500 characters. Why do uh -huh. we need him? He should have gone back to work at Grandpa's restaurant, and we never saw him again. I think probably. So like yeah, To keep I... him safe. Oh, you better go back to Earth where it's safe, and then he's just gone. Um, Like you, this is a mixed bag for me. I have it as a five. It's not terrible. Okay. Uh, um, It definitely you... sounds like that was enough to win, but why don't we do some quick ones? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, this starts off in memory of Brandon Tartikoff, who's like a big-time TV producer, executive guy. He was the chairman of Paramount Pictures who asked to have another Star Trek show, which became yeah, okay. Deep Space Nine. Uh, instead of a now the conclusion, they tell you a now the continuation in this oh, one, which lets you know that we're over. doing a thing. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, um, now we see another one of these little regular one stations. Yep. I assume uh, that's the Starbase 375 or whatever. Yes. Yeah. When we meet Admiral Ross, I was distracted by how far back he wears his pips. <laughs> They're like way on the side of his neck. That's because he's just a regular guy. He doesn't want everyone to be looking at his Admiral's pips. The yeah, whole time. I guess so. He's, uh, he's Lieutenant Murtaugh. You know him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes. Um, 
Look, I like sandwiches. Yeah. I'll eat a sandwich. But O'Brien is used to replicators. It's weird that the specific thing that he misses is a sandwich. <laughs> that when everyone's complaining about how there's no chairs on the bridge, there's no fucking view screen in it, whatever, he'd be like, Where's my I'd, usual Federation-style sandwich? I'd trade it all for a sandwich. I'd trade it all for a Terran sandwich. This dude's big dreams, his big ambitions, are to eat a fucking cold bologna sandwich with yellow mustard, and you know it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then have one of those bologna and mustard farts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, for sure, this dude is not like, you know what I want? Jajangmyeon. No, no, he doesn't care. He doesn't but know anything about that. His fucking dreams aren't even meat and potatoes. It's so sad. It's so <laughs> sad to hear a guy say, I don't know, I just wish I could have a sandwich. Fuck, man. He should have just said hoagie. Oh, uh, yeah. Something. Yeah. I would be just like Cisco after an hour in that Google Glass. Yeah, again, it was 100% believable. And he's like, fucking God, I want to be dead now. I was like, yep, uh-huh. I would, That's how I felt that first night I played Sea of Thieves. Dax would have fucking done that bad turn out of Starbase, and I would be like, well, I'm going to go lay in the dark. <laughs> that was it for me, everybody. Enjoy the mission. Wake me up when the mission's done. Yeah, let me know once I need to make a decision about something. Until then, I will be in the dark. <laughs> hey, bud. Hey, Ducat. The Cardassians started out as a third-rate power. That didn't happen after the Klingon War. Yeah, buddy. Come on. Let's be <laughs> come real. on, man. When we met you, you guys had been kicked off of uh, Bajor for reasons that really are never explained. We saw the wounded. Yeah. We know what you got. Let's see. You're, ne- you're not as powerful as the Federation uh, or the Romulans or the Klingons. Um, so you're automatically not on that whole level. Honestly, probably not the Ferengi, except that like they don't seem to be organized for war. Your tech's worse than all the rando aliens that the Enterprise always runs into that are super advanced, so you're not on those dudes' levels either. You're, you're like, what happens if the Sheliacs show up? There's no more Cardassia. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. Um, so you know what I mean? Like, he, they're clearly not a top-tier power. It's just yeah. how far down the rung are they. For sure. Um, what good is power if you're not willing to use it, asks Kira, who has learned very little since her days in the Resistance, I suppose. It's yeah. such a such a terrible thing to hear someone you like say <laughs> what good is power if you're not going to use it well now hang on no and they weren't making a point about how she is being warped by this experience or no. anything they're just they weren't thinking much about that um but one thing that i uh was thinking about when i watched this and i've thought about a lot since is um gold ducats are real tsao tsao huh he's just always trading what's important for what is not <laughs> like he's the leader of Cardassia. Yes. Why has he moved his headquarters to Deep Space 9? Yeah, all for personal revenge. That's it. Yes. Yep. So he can sit there and menace Kira? Yeah, dude. He, he should have cl- sent fucking um Cheng Yu or somebody. Yeah. Should have sent he- one of the sh- <laughs> one of the Shuns. I don't it doesn't matter which one. He could have sent Wenruo, he could have sent yeah. the other guy. Don't matter. You know what I mean? You know, uh, you I mean, or you, one, one of them. One rule is definitely the good one. Yeah, it should, that's what I'm saying. That's who, That's who. you know, you think you should have sent. Yeah. You don't need to be there yourself, buddy. Oh, uh, running Deep Space Nine? That's some business Sun Chen could have taken care of, huh? Yeah, it doesn't matter, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of Lieutenant Murtaugh. Yep. Uh, but he's just like... 
He claims to have an ambition to control the entire Alpha Quadrant, and he doesn't come out and say it, but it seems like he probably already thinks he'd also like to get rid of the Dominion, by the way, once that happens. Yep. Oh, yeah. He certainly does not going to keep taking Weyoun's orders forever, right? That seems to be every look he gives to Damar is just a little longer. Yeah. Just, hang on just a little longer. But instead, he wants to be here on Deep Space Nine, Aaron Kira, Yep. And and fucking making decisions all the time about whether or not Odo can have Bajoran deputies patrol the promenade. Yeah, it's true. He's really not spending his time wisely, is he? No, no. So um, <laughs> I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed with Gildercott right now. No, but that's the whole thing. Is By the way, it's totally in character form, which is why. It's yes, he's a self-sabotager. Right? Yeah, he yeah. just fucks himself all the time. That's why this is down in my quick hitters, but it's just like. I, there was just yeah. a point where he's just on Deep Space Nine and he's constantly looking at this baseball and I'm just like, just trading something that's important for something that's, that's not. Right. Well, look, man. Uh, Wayun chose who he chose. Uh, it was an opportunistic decision, right? Uh, Ducat was willing to turn over everything. Yeah, he was already uh, reasonably powerful. Yeah. And um, and by the way, who the hell else is he going to pick? Are there any good ones out there? Who's he I don't know. Fucking Gullit Ivek? Is he yeah, is Ivek still? still kicking around? What about the one who uh, offered to give the Klingons their, her mother, her grandmother's recipe for biscuits? No, oh, Goloset. A uh, Goloset. I don't know where she's at, but something tells me ladies have it rough in Cardassia. I don't know why. I mean, that was so kind of the impression we got with those scientists. The yeah. horny scientists. The horny scientists and the one spy. Yeah. The one fucking snitch. Uh, so anyway, just, you know, we'll see if Galdicott continues to be like Zatso, that's all. I mean, we already know he definitely thinks better I wrong the world than that the world wronged me. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the way I thought you were maybe going, but yes. Uh, best actor, always love to see Brock Peters. Yeah. That dude can, that dude can put emotion into his voice in an incredible way. <laughs> he's like the... Hey, by the way, perfect sense that he's Cisco's dad just based on that trait. That's right, exactly. Once the emotions come out, that's when the that's when you get the realness. That's the real yeah. shit. So always love to see him. Worst actor, Jaco. We're keeping it in the family. Yeah. Um, I don't know. He, he sucks. He sucks. His character sucks, and the actor sucks. Yeah. Well, look, I said up atop, the character is maybe less well developed than the character who steals a shuttlecraft in <laughs> one random episode <laughs> of the Next Generation. So. And then gets talk. He gets the the great talk through. Figure out how to get that thing back in, and that's the end. That that guy probably in jail. I don't know what happens to him. That's a good question, Matt. You got some quick ones? No, man. I was too busy typing. (laughs) All right, we're done. Very cool. Very awesome. So, the scores are in. Mm. Last place this week with ten points. We That's already talked good. about how bad that is. That is one of the currently one of the fifteen worst episodes. Dang, it's so bad. Uh, Voyager with Alice. I'll just say the last episode to score that bad was that episode Bound from Enterprise. That was week ninety two. No, so it's been a while since uh, someone laid an egg this bad, huh? Yep. <clears throat> Including the episode I called the worst episode, <laughs> worst thing I'd ever seen on TV. Yeah, you gave both of those a six. He rated them the same on our rubric. I actually demoted well listen that's fine we've long talked about the very weak correlation between enjoyment and scores on the rubric that's correct uh second place this week with 28 points pretty mediocre but not that terrible and probably better to watch um than the score indicates tng the next phase yep would have would have been better if rolaren had done some king shit 
Yeah, if she would, if she'd stayed a king, like I know she is in her heart, then that could have been a better episode. Um, but the winner this week with thirty-eight points, which is quite decent. Mm-hmm. Deep Space Nine: A Time to Stand. That's their forty-third win. Ooh, they're closing um, the gap a little bit. They also have uh, pretty much a thirty-eight point average over the last three episodes. So. If you look at the three-episode average, they've rocketed right up there. Unfortunately, TNG had an even better one pretty recently. Yeah. Yeah, TNG um, seemed to be on a roll from weeks uh, 116 to 18, and then they went right They've really plummeted. I think you'll see that a few weeks ago they dipped below Voyager in the three-episode average there. Yep. I mean, Voyager has uh, is really yeah, they, racing for back. the bottom right now, but... <laughs> okay, so... Vo- <laughs> Voyager has 42 points combined in the last three weeks. Yeah, that's right. That is correct. That's extremely poor. That's 42 points combined out of a possible 240. (laughs) Not my fault, man. I'm not taking the hit for this. They left a cool 200 on the board. Brandon Bracken could take the hit for this. I don't care. uh, So with 43 wins, Deep Space Nine is now only seven behind TNG. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're the TNG guys, you gotta be nervous. Like we've yeah. got the inner light next week. People like that episode. That's not bad. But then we're right into Times Arrow, Realm of I Fear, know. Man of the People. It's not good. Relics is pure nostalgia, but maybe it won't suck that bad. But schisms, True Q, Rascals, a fistful of datas. <laughs> I mean, TNG's looking at some absolute shitters. And if Deep Space yeah, Nine but... can keep up this level of execution, it's it's gonna look ugly. I, the problem is, each one of those TNG episodes talked about, I feel like we can talk about for two hours. Oh, I mean, pretty much, yeah. These podcasts are going to get long, man. I mean, this one's a good three hours with the mailbag in it, so yeah, uh, it's conceivable we could be looking at some long outings coming up pretty soon. I mean, the inner light, Picard lives a whole second life. Are we going to not talk about it? There's going to yeah, be stuff in there. For sure. Um, All right, fine. Yeah, here's what we're watching next week. Next time we get together, which you know, two calendar weeks from now, but who cares? Yeah, uh, we're gonna watch the week one hundred twenty four episodes for TNG. That's the Inner Light. Yeah, like you said, Picard meets a probe. Deep Space Nine, part two of this long arc, rocks and shoals. Life's hard on a broken Dominion ship. And for Voyager, Matthew, we are watching Riddles, and you get to describe that. And I, I did briefly see. That it seems to be about what if Tuvok lost his Vulcan discipline. Tim Russ, Tim Russ plays a cop every fucking time he's ever in anything. I don't <laughs> want to see him anymore because <laughs> I don't trust cops. Well, <laughs> it's let's let, let's look at it this way. It doesn't seem like it's doctor centric. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. And again, it's not Alice. You had and to do Alice, Alice, and that makes me forever grateful. So, <laughs> no matter we'll, whichever bad ones I get, I didn't get Alice. We'll see how Riddles goes. Uh, you'll be the one describing that. <laughs> I just saw you gave Equinox Part Two a two out of forty. <laughs> what are you talking about? You gave Equinox Part Two two points out of forty. Yeah, I give it one point each in world building and characterization. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just scrolling around on Landry when I saw that. Look, that's out. fine. That's not the lowest I've ever scored an episode. I gave a yep. one, and you have given a zero. I so. gave a zero to that one that was morally just uh, reprehensible. Living witness. That's right. And I gave a one to... Hold on. I'm sure I it was also it was a while reprehensible. Ago. It was Waking Moments. Waking you moments. saw the moon so many times. You gave that one only two <laughs> points, so... 
<laughs> By the way, that week had a reunion, which scored 47 points, and Waking yeah. Moments, which scored three. And so yeah. you'll see over in gold, that's the week that that's... has the largest standard deviation among the episode scores. Yep. And we were on point on, on both of those episodes. We agreed on both of the, the qualities of both of those episodes. <laughs> Not that I think a standard deviation is a meaningful measure across four <laughs> episodes, but still, that's where we are. Yeah. All right. So Sorry, that's I what we're watching. Sidetracked. Um, yeah. Uh, so the mailbags are, for now still going to be contained in the Star Trek episodes. Only Ryan is sending us mail. No one else is out there except for the rando from last time, I guess. Yeah. So uh, fucking send us some mail before we just shut down the mailbag. It's yeah. uh, at Brother Date. Twitter still works sometimes. Yeah, I will. I want to say that right now the Twitter logo is the Dogecoin logo. Yeah, it's not a good sign. And I don't think that's a great sign. So you <laughs> might, everyone might want to take the time to figure out how to use Mastodon and find us on Mastodon. That's at brotherdate at tenforward.social. Yeah, everyone work on uh, that, including me. I'm going to work on that. Because, I mean, there's a out. distinct possibility that two weeks from now we won't even be able to access twitter because it's 308 dollars a month or something to read your own to read tweets to you yeah so you know might want to think about making the transition uh it's going slow but it it still seems like it's going pretty bad it's true every time i'm like it is still here but then i think but it's not doing great it's not doing better it's not getting better twitter is still here but like uh otherwise you can send us email that's yeah. brothers at brotherdate.com you can go to brotherdate.com for all the episodes you can check out landru and all the other dumb spreadsheets and brackets and things that we've done uh maybe someday we'll have the courage to uh lump a 90s power hour or something in there yeah who star treks i don't know we're gonna it's hard man it's already 11 30 i'm dying <laughs> over here it's it's rough and honestly We'd still rather play Sea of Thieves on other Wednesdays. So. That's right. Alternate Wednesdays or Sea of Thieves Wednesdays, like alternate Fridays or Sea of, Thie- sea of Thieves Fridays. So, um, all right, everybody. Uh, uh, that's the whole fucking deal. Uh, as you believe, so shall you do. So shall you do. As you, as you believe, believe, so shall, shall you do. You do. Ah, oh, you did it again, Lisa. Ah, oh, Jesus. I mean, Talisa. Ah, oh, dang it. You even got your own name wrong again. How do you think Talisa smells? You know what? I'll wait. I'll wait till the episode comes out and then I'll know. Please subscribe.